The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Paul. He's Ronnie. Mr. McNichol is glad the schools will be back in August. And Mr. Costello just wants to get back to Tanadice. Don't we all, Ron? Thank you to the unlucky foursome of Callum Butcher, Mark Connolly, Mark Reynolds and Lauren Shanklin, who were stuck with us for over two hours last week. And thank you to everyone who has listened to the near three-hour episode. Your comments and feedback is very much appreciated and also very humbling to us two dafties in this wee podcast. Join the conversation on our socials if you're not following already. We are at Dodefox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, dates set for next season, face masks, five-a-side challenges, the rumour mill, birthdays, album covers, jilted lovers, on this day with Yarab Archive, and the Tullys, Callum Woodger and George Cran are our guests. It's all coming up on episode 48 of the Dode Fox podcast. I'm Andy McLaren. Welcome to the Dode Fox podcast. So welcome back to the Dode Fox podcast. I'm not quite sure how we uh, follow up having four members of the first team squad on uh, last week, which would have been fitting to end things, but with the current situation and everything else that's going on, this is one of the only things keeping it going, really, keeping a, dare I say, a smile on our face. And here we are, episode 48. Here we are indeed. Yeah, that that was definitely the plan that we spoke about a few weeks back, uh, certainly between me and you, just to try and get the players on, just to round off the first season of the Dode Fox podcast quite nicely. But, you know, shit happens, I dare say, and we are rolling on. Indeed we are. Uh, if something does miraculously happen and there is a set date and whatever, we might take a couple of weeks. Who knows? Who knows? It just depends what we can keep going and keep your interest in this nonsense. And every week we're like, we've got someone on, we think we'll no have much to say. And things just happen. You're like, we need to talk about this. We need to mention this. This needs to happen. And uh, today is no different. The big thing from this week it is confirmed the Premiership is over. They have drawn a line under that and uh, all going by the SPFL, obviously they're working to these dates, they could change. The Betfred's going to kick off mid-July and the league is due to start the 1st of August. In a perfect world, that will be wonderful. The more likely thing is, it's probably not going to quite happen like that, but at least we've got something now to aim for now that we know the Premiership's done Yeah, I dare say that the league needed to to set out a target so that they can aim towards that themselves uh, I think it's probably still a little bit ambitious to be thinking that we're going to be in the Betfred in mid-July I'm not even sure if the Betfred will happen because a lot of the talk just now certainly from the teams under the Premiership is that, you know, they might they might just not start playing until January or whenever, so that's the majority of your your competitors in that tournament. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, if it does come back in July, it's definitely going to be still behind closed doors as well, which is you know something that's overly appealing to me. On the radio yesterday, well, it was uh, the air chairman, and he made a very good point. He says, "I'm not interested in uh, watching closed doors games on TV." He says, "And and if you're an Air United fan, you probably don't want to watch." closed doors game on TV either he says if you want to watch football on TV you're not going to be an Air United fan and I totally get his sentiment and it caused a wee bit of 
laughter amongst the hosts on on BBC Sports Sound. But it's it's kind of true, you know. As much as I would watch United, I I don't just want to watch United on TV. I want to be there. So I'm I'm still stewing over that. It's it's going to be it's going to be rubbish when it comes back and we're not allowed in unless we manage to cut Peter Paul at socks or be ball boys in the Dode Fox stand or something. But to, to we'll be fair, though. Uh, the only Bundesliga uh, yesterday, I was watching the Bayern Munich game and the goal went in, the music come on, the scorer got announced, I might be alright here. <laughs> you might be alright. Ah. Still not get it right. I need somebody to carry your bag. There's a lot <laughs> well, of stairs there. There's a lot of offers though, there's a lot of offers for that. So that's <laughs> how you do it. Um, you might be the highest paid man at Tannadise. <laughs> <laughs> that gets back up and running. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, at least this. Well, let's say at least there's a bit of it. Obviously, with the um, with uh, Nicola Sturgeon this week's been talking. But we're not a political podcast. Let's just add that in. But she had put in that there's now this uh, phased sort of return mm. to normality or the new normal to how we exit the lockdown thing, and it's kind of three week stages. And I'm pretty sure, you know, the golf and that's coming back sort of this week. Um, yeah. And then it's looking like professional sport. I think it's in phase two or three, which is about six or nine weeks away, possibly. I, I just kind of skim read it. Just I was just looking to see when it said Paul McNichol can return to Tanadice, but it wasn't printed in it, so I lost interest and I've no idea what phase that that needs to happen. It's in the small print. It needs to happen pronto. It's in the small small print. print. I gave up on that. My sight's gone. So hopefully that's, um, that is something, at least there's, you know, and I think the thing is, you know, there has to be a bit of normality. Of course, down south are still adamant they're going to finish it out. Uh, That's going to cost a lot of money. I think everyone knows that. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money down there anyway, but you know they are adamant to finish the season off, which is which is fine. But at least up here, there's a wee bit, and yeah, it's harsh for for some of the clubs that are that are involved in that. But at least as a as an organisation, it's now been done that it is it is done, is dusted, and um, there's an aim for a new season to mm. start. But obviously, we've heard this thing. It could be uh, it could be August. It could be. Uh, January, I think somebody said as well. That's that's crazy, but and it might be an eighteen-game league, and yeah, still a lot I think of that's for. I think that's for leagues under the Premiership. I think the Premiership will probably get up and running due due to the TV deal again, because as we know, money talks. But uh, the Championships teams and under, I think they'd be struggling. Where that leaves teams like Hearts, Falkirk, Partick, who can still maybe afford to keep going anybody's a guess at this point but uh, this is a United podcast so we don't really care about the three teams you are correct um, lots of things happening out of Tanadice uh, this week uh, one thing that caught a lot of people's eye was the very fetching United face coverings mm-hmm. that have been uh, offered out uh, they have the traditional tangerine they had the uh, like a camo tangerine in black and now the the away strip design of the vintage yeah. uh 93-94 paint splatter uh I mean it's clearly a Van Gogh really uh are up I know some of them sold out and whatever I think they're brilliant see as long as they're decent quality I think mm-hmm. they're brilliant because I'm not being funny this is something that might just come a thing and especially if you're going to football in that these might come a necessity you know yeah possibly possibly because did you order any? Yes, yeah, I ordered the camel one. Didn't even want to wear it. I just right. want to hang it up. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I ordered a couple of the the ninety three, ninety four oh, okay. ones. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting that. Yeah, and you know what? It's just, it's something, it's, it's a, obviously, you I mean, they're donating a percentage of profit to the, the NHS, which is which is great. Um, but I think it might be something that becomes part of the new normal, going to big events. You might have to wear one of these face coverings and why not do them instead of people, I saw people with the white and the black ones on when you're in shops and stuff. Do something like that, you know? Yeah. Support your team. Man. Man, uh, fashion accessory, yeah. Uh, and be if, safe. If it's, going to become, if it's going to become part of the new normal, we need to get Dode Fox podcast ones printed <laughs> up and put up on sale. The Dode Fox podcast merchandise shop will be open yes. up for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also uh, this week the club have announced that the uh, the season ticket payment plan is now up and running which is uh, mm. a good thing for a lot of fans I know a lot of fans when the season cards were announced for uh, 2021 uh, were desperate to take on the new payment plan to allow supporters to spread the cost uh, and that is now uh, up there you can you can do it on the, the website and stuff uh, which again is just one of these it's another thing that when you put the season cards online, you'd already said yours was paid up and whatever, but people were asking to do it. And it's great to see when the tweets go out that I've renewed, I've done this, I've done that. And, you know, I know the club haven't released numbers. This is a wee hint towards, could you tell us where we're at? Or are we, give us the party line that is looking very good or whatever. But I certainly think the, uh, from what I've seen on social media, a lot of people have, have been signing up, which is without knowing at the time when, if... Uh, things were happening. Well, that's it. Brilliant. I mean, the, uh, you're supposed to be buying a season ticket, but it could end up just being a, a donation to the club to keep them going, to get them through this uh, this lean time. Uh, and as you say, the, the club have been, I wouldn't say they've been secretive with the numbers. They've just, it's just not been released, you know. I've, I don't know if, if you were to ask if you would be told or not. But uh, also coming out, I tweeted... United through the week there just asking about the facility to pay up for the following season and these letters are going to be coming out within the next week or two as well so I'll probably do that again just to keep it keep it consistent from what I've done in the last umpteen years keep yourself way ahead of the game correct yes pay uh, two season tickets <laughs> I take it no good use any I think you've not you haven't moved seat or anything of late have you, have you been in that seat now a while yes yeah. No plan nah, on moving. Leg room. <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> no unless an offer comes up to go to the to the boardroom or something. Nah, I'm I'm no moving anywhere. That's quite like my Don't seat worry. in the East Stand. Yeah, I think I knock that back. And talking of season cards, let's get here's a nice segue into it. Uh this week you could choose the design of the mm. twenty twenty one season card. Uh, they sprung this on a lot of people. Four designs, 24 hours to register your vote. Uh, there was a lion with a sublaminated DUFC. There was DD3. There was the uh, United uh, crest and a striped background. And there was a United together. You could vote on them. Did you cast a vote? I did cast a vote, yeah. I voted for the first one with the lion crest on it. I thought that was quite nice. Yeah, so did I. Now, I'm not a season yeah. holder, obviously, but uh, I, I thought that was, that stood out. Uh, but it was picked mm-hmm, to the post too. by 1.3% for the with the United Correct. crest and the strike, which I still nope. think looks great. Um, yeah, it's nice, but it's, uh, it's it's not the nicest one, in my opinion. Did. So I spat the dummy out. I cancelled my season ticket for next year. Tell them I got it up them. And I headed up to Dens and bought in there. Raging. So it was. <laughs> Uh, at least we could laugh, eh? At least we could laugh. Mm. 
That's all we've got. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. Uh, but again, uh, another thing that we the, the club have done to keep fans involved, which is only a good thing, you know, yeah, because we've turned this round. Because for years and years, there wasn't, dare I say, the connection a lot of the time. And I know it doesn't help at times when the team weren't great, but this season, especially, it's, it's been superb right the way through, or the season just finished, I should probably say. Yeah, the, correct. Yeah, the, the fan engagement's been night and day. Yeah. Which which is uh has been awesome. The DD three I didn't really, I wasn't a totally for at all. But the two Did with the many crest, votes, the three point seven percent. Well, there you go. There wasn't many people, but it's, it was an option. It was, it's good that they're giving you the option. But I'm I'm still a wee bit of season that I, that I didn't win. I'm even thinking of offering the club a wee bit of more money so that I can actually get in that I wanted to vote for. We'll see how that end pans out. What just that just a custom made one? Because you're you're Correct. not happy. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's a little bit fair enough, fair enough. But again, why why shouldn't you know fans can pick stuff like that? It's pretty good, isn't it? You know, I think so. I think so. Uh, Community trust. I've been busy again this week. So uh, when was it? We done uh, when they were doing a seven day challenge the other week, which was which was a good laugh. So uh, this week they upped the ante, by the way, and um, who basically asked, who do you pick as your manager and teammates in the Dundee United Community Trust five-a-side challenge, all right? Mm -hmm. So the rules were, it's you plus four players and a manager will make up the five-a-side team. The rules are, you have a maximum of one per position and a maximum of one per trophy winning season alright okay. so we are obviously looking at Scottish League champions 1983 Scottish Cup winners 1994 Scottish Cup winners 2010 Challenge Cup winners 2017 and SPFL Championship winners 2020 alright mm -hmm. so you are needing to uh, maximum one per position and one per trophy winning season so it's you plus four players and a manager doesn't matter where you're playing because you're going to go to the plot it so that's fine alright so would you uh, would you like me to read out your options for goalkeeper uh, yeah go for it Hamish McAlpine Guido van der Kamp Dusan Pernice Cami Bell and Benji Segrist who's your goalkeeper Paul <sighs> Well, straight away, before you had said what the actual rules were, you were only allowed to pick one from each uh, category. I would have just went Hamish, but then I would have went a few players for that team. Uh -huh. So, are you going for? I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go for Dusan. Dusan. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to pick Dusan. Okay, so that is you done with your 2010 picks right away. Yes, I can't cool. pick any more. Defenders Paul Hegarty, Morris Malpass. Andy Webster, Paul Dixon, or Mark Connolly? Who's playing in defence? It would be Super Mo. Morris Malpass, so 1994 yes. is done. Mo, right. Mo, Super Mo. Midfield, Ralph Milne, Willow Flood, Callum Butcher. <laughs> I know, I know it's... Uh, well... On the grounds that he's the best player in that bunch, it would have to be Ralph Millen. Right. 
for me. It has to be. So, so far, your yeah. team is you, Dusan Pernice, Mo Malpass, and Ralph Milne. It's not bad. Well, it's maybe not the best looking team, <laughs> granted. But, you know, there's a, a small smattering of ability there. So, strikers, you are down. I've, I've, to yeah, I've Tony, myself in a corner here. Tony Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> or Lawrence who is you good for well I mean I would ideally I would have went to Shankland but that means that <laughs> the manager has to be has to be Ray uh, oh jeez right right Tony Andrew and then the manager is Robbie Nielsen so Robbie Nielsen's the manager and Paul's team as Dusan, Morris Malpass, Ralph Milne, Tony I'm Andrew, not even happy with that team. And Paul McNichol. I'm not even happy with that team. At least, at least I, I put Tony in for you though, Ron. Okay, beautiful Tony. I put him in for you. Did you? So you'll come and watch with. That's nice of you. It's harsh, Shite. I tell you. It's harsh. harsh. Oh, it's a difficult pick. You know? Um, mm. It's on the Community Trust Twitter I'm still accepting uh, people if you want to uh, just retweet and whatever else. I'll tell you the choices if you've not seen it, right? So the goalkeeper, like we said, McAlpine, Van der Kamp, Pernas, Bell, Segrist, Defence, Hegarty, Malpass, Webster, Dixon, Connolly, Midfield, Milne, Bowman, Conway, Flood, Butcher, Strikers, Sturrock, Brewster, Goodwillie, Andrew and Shankland, and uh, Managers, McLean, Golak, Houston, McKinnon and Nielsen. Good fun. Did you pick a team? Ah, it was horrific. <laughs> well, that, exactly. Didn't leave me looking like the prick here. Get your team ready. Because my team's, I'm really not happy with my team. Um, I may have picked myself. <laughs> uh, right, let me try and let me get my team. So, uh, I put Cammy Bell in the goal. Okay. Right, because I think if your team in front of you, and here, if we've got pens, we're on our winner. You'll save them. So, it's no bad, right? So, Cammy Bell on the goal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Andy Webster on defence. Okay. Solid. Oh, I'm about to stick it in here. I'm going to go Dave Bowman in midfield. Oof, controversial. I'm going to go Shankland up front mm-hmm. and Jim McLean's my manager. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's probably better than mine. That's what I'm it's going for. It's not easy though, is it? No, it's not it's easy. easy when you can only pick one for the for each team. Uh, and if you go on, oh, my team's exactly the same as Telly West Terror. Great mind. There you go. Great mind. I just <laughs> we'll clicked on the retweet there. Uh, Mark Dorward's got a no bad team. Check this out: Hamish, Super mm. Mo, Craig Conway, Luggy, and Ivan. It's no bad. Can I go Luggy and Hamish? Can I go Luggy and Hamish? Oh, nearly can. I got too excited for him there. He is Jen. Like you're it. <laughs> but I have to say, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, the community trust is doing loads and loads of great stuff. Uh, if you want to check out, it's on the Twitter. And it's blooming hard <laughs> to pick a team. It's it's no easy, is it? Uh, no, and that's for two grown men who are uh, reminiscing there and trying to pick a five side team. Bear in mind, we have to play in this team. I'm not sure why I'm doing Yeah. Well... Nah, I'm just going to stay out Ralphie's way. Or if I get the bar, just pass it to him Good and he can do the rest. be fine. Nah. Uh, right, rumour mill. 
It's been a while. It's been a while. But it's back. It is back. Um, the, the, this is basically all names that we've seen banded about. Could be on social media. Could be in newspaper reports. It could be, you know, fans forums. Whatever. You know, we'll take a lot of them with a pinch of salt until the uh, the the photo of the the scarf <laughs> is above the head, saying they've always wanted to be at United. Um, Stephen O'Donnell from Kilmarnock is now a free mm-hmm. agent. The Scottish international right back. Uh, Frank Ross has been released by Aberdeen. Uh, the Atlantic winger Elmari Niskanen has okay, Finland has or is he finished. playing in Finland I think he's finished yeah well he's finished playing in Iceland or he's Iceland playing in Finland he's playing in Finland I think uh, should we know like check this show before we nah nah, nah. It's, it's a rumour is it it's a rumour he's Icelandic exactly uh, Stuart <laughs> Finlay from Kilmarnock who was strongly linked was that January? he was yeah, yeah, he was linked before, yeah. He's linked before, so he's... He, uh, I'm a far... Uh, apparently he's away. Um, Andy Halliday's a done deal, depending what fans forum you're on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> a couple of the group chats that we're in, no overly keen on them, but it's probably more to do with the fact that where he was previously, last season. Yeah, uh, It's just, uh, like, me and you have joked about it before. If you wind the clock back about, I don't know, say five, six years, and we had been linked to be signing Lee McCulloch, I'd have been raging. But the big lad's all right. He's a no bad lad. So maybe Holiday will be the same. Who knows? But that's that's if we're even if we're even in for him. Yeah, and while we're at it, Mario Goats is leaving Borussia Dortmund. Just throwing that out there. Well, he's was he know a name on Tony Askar's board? He might have been. And we snuck in his office. <laughs> he's uh, he's Finnish. The uh, El Elmari Niskanen. Uh, I thought so. I thought that's another Iceland. He must, he must be playing in Iceland. That's what I'm. What I'm going for. Ah, I'm pretty sure he's playing in Finland. He is playing in Finland. I think you must have read that news when you were doing your shopping in Iceland, and it's just through you, and you've updated your notes poorly. Just updating them now. So, um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think the thing there, you know. The, the, the name, I mean, O'Donnell and, and Finlay are obviously established Premiership players in Scotland. Internationals. And internationals, you know. And I think when you look back at the, uh, at Kilmarnock and a, a team that can, you know, that have built a team the way they go about the business, obviously the, the left back Taylor went to Celtic's never been seen. Mm-hmm. You know, terrible yeah. career move. When at the time, very good left back. And I think they needed a left back. I don't know if he got injured or whatever. Uh, but then O'Donnell well, that was after they sold Tierney, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. And yeah. They, so now O'Donnell and, and Finlay, two of their back four are, are now out of contract as, as far as we're aware. And we've certainly been linked with um Finlay before because I remember yeah. I remember we uh we posted about it and to, to gauge what people thought. And uh didn't you say you didn't realise he was even playing for Scotland the night you were there? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I think it was maybe his debut. And uh, I had well, I, but I only had eyes for Shankland that night. Yeah. In, in my defence, right? Okay, that's basically the only reason I went to that game just to see Sir Lawrence. Uh, but yeah, I dare say that there'd be decent signings. That would there be upgrades possibly? But I, th- I feel like it would be harsh on Liam Smith. Uh, some people think he, he'll do a job. Some people are maybe not quite sold on him as much. Uh, and Stephen O'Donnell, he's proven at that level. 
he's he's played for Scotland. I mean, I don't think he's I don't think he's the best when he plays for Scotland, but as a Dundee United player, he'd probably be more than good enough, I would imagine. But the the way the way that everything's panning out in the world just now, not just uh, football, but I'm not sure if United will have much money, if any, to be spending on players because in January we were also linked with, and I think we bid for Nisbet, did we know the boy Fade on Firmland? And he's no, you've never heard any more on that, which which doesn't mean that we're we're not still interested. I'm sure that we are. If it's not like he got any worse after we bid for him, nope. But uh, I don't know, like. Depends on how much money the club have, are going to have coming in and what they're going to budget for. It would probably be quite quite a big risk to be spending money on transfer fees and big wages when, like we don't know when we're going to get a fan through the turnstile. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one to keep an eye. Out. I'm sure there's there is obviously moves afoot as as we've seen in the news this week. A lot of clubs are releasing players or not renewing contracts because, yeah. you know. I think a lot, a lot of the thing there is it is money and money out. You know, it's how could you keep paying this guy even a thousand pound a week when there's no money coming in to pay his wages? No, you know, and no. plus United's United's wages to uh, well the revenue coming in and the wages was it not like one hundred and thirty three percent? I but remember no paying any goal bonuses just now. Yeah, so it's probably doing about thirty three percent. So it's more than manageable for. The, the Ogrens, they'll be they'll be all right now. <laughs> but no, and that, that is the, the the thing with the other, certainly the other teams is the way it looks. Is they're obviously thinking we've got sixteen boys out of contract. Say they're on a thousand pound a week, so it's easier for the maths. Sixteen grand a week, you'd be paying in wages. That's not coming in at the moment, you know. So they take the risk releasing them, but there's nothing to say in two months' time they're still available, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the same with the clubs further down you know United were one of the earliest clubs to say these eight players are, are no staying or four and four four fourteen four uh, yeah. uh, including the elusive Alison Jones uh, were, were going so it's and I think Queen the South have got like three players left but a lot of the clubs just work on year deals anyway yeah I think they probably still would have beat United four and a half that day just with the three men that's how bad it was. So, but there, there there are some teams that have also, and I think Dundee are maybe one of them. They've given like a month extension or a two month extension to some players so that they can still get paid because they're furloughed. But on the there's there's like legal opinion saying that that's kind of a dodgy thing to be doing because there may be an HMRC liability further down the line for clubs that have done this because if they're no, I mean technically it's keeping people in in employment, which is what the furlough scheme is all about. But I think that there's maybe a loophole. Mm. We like you, you, you kind of just be doing this, but well, I mean, we'll find it soon enough, I suppose, in a few months. But yeah, we, we as a club never chose to go down that route. We just said, right, your your contracts are up, and that's it. D- Dundee getting found out by HMRC? Don't believe you. Surely no. Never. Surely no. Do any of those I names can't. in the rumor mill jump out of signings that you would want, or you, would you be Mario Goza? Or did you just throw that in for a joke? Well, I mean, he's kicking about, you know. Yeah. Donna Russell wants to come back, apparently, as well. Let's throw that in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. keep it realistic. He wants, come, he wants to come back to come on this podcast, not to play at Danadice. Probably. Uh, well, you, you've mentioned the boy Frank Ross to me before, privately. I don't really know much about him. Is he a, a good player? What position is he? He's a midfield player. And uh, the, the quote I got 
was he is the best player that Aberdeen have ever released or is up there as a very good player that Aberdeen have released. So let's just throw it in because you know what? The club used to scout on YouTube. Now they can scout on podcast. So there's a name. Excellent. Well, the, I mean, the, the Tilly get their new stories for podcasts they, these days. They so. do. They do. And talk yeah. to them. So, for them. so if you're listening, Mr. Askar, Frank Ross. Mario Goza. <laughs> <laughs> right. A couple of birthdays to uh, throw in early. We do this on this day usually, but these are, these are a wee bit different. So... It's a happy 100th birthday to Arthur Harris in a couple of days. Uh, he first went to see United at 10 years of age in 1930. He was a regular attender at Tannadice until recent years due to not being able to manage the stairs. Uh, his favourite all-time player is Peter Mackay and his current favourite is Callum Butcher. Of course it is. His first game was against Aloha way back in August of 1930. His favourite game is United v Barcelona in 66. Although the game versus Berwick to win promotion runs it close. Uh, I mean... Or Barcelona. Arthur, what are you thinking, man? (laughs) Seeing United in Europe was beyond his boyhood dreams. He's excited about the Jim McLean statue, well-deserved and contributed to the fundraising by sponsoring the two legends four ball at the Jim McLean Tribute Golf event. And uh, 14 of the squad have done individual clips as well, wishing Arthur a happy birthday. And the family would like to thank the players for doing that. It's 14 at the time that we got this info, which is the start of the week. So hopefully they managed to get another few as well. Uh, but when it comes in a couple of days, Arthur, a happy 100th birthday uh, from the Dode Fox podcast. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that, that's class, like 100. And even Arthur never saw Dundee lift the Scottish Cup. I mean, that's one way to look at it. But uh, 100 years old, supporting United for the 30s, he's seen it all. That man has seen it all. Mm. And I'm not going to argue with his current favourite player either. Good shout. Have a great day, Arthur. And as we record this on uh, Sunday, the uh, 24th of May, it's a happy 111th birthday to the world-famous Dundee United Football Club. Happy birthday, United. (sighs) Shall we move on? We can move on. <laughs> Dundee United album covers. He's back. The man is back. Talk us through this. Well, I got copied into one today. I was completely unaware of it. I think uh, our old buddy that we've never met and have no idea who it is, Mock Chopped, he was back. And uh, it was yesterday that he started posting these, but I got copied into album cover number seven. Prince by Prince and it's a rather fetching image of Prince with Ian Hark's face uh, in a topless pose so that's what I woke up to this morning looking great and then I've trolled back through the whole thread on Twitter and the first album is Pulp Different Class and it's a, a picture of the United team that is that the League Cup or the League I think it's maybe the League Trophy mm-hmm. and then number two is a a copy of the Led Zeppelin physical graffiti where <laughs> the graffiti is they're my own team in all the windows and I think it's is it Luggy? Is it Paul Sturrock? Davy it's Davy Neri. Davy Neri running down the street in front of the building. We've then got David Bowie Heroes with John Daly <laughs> looking rather wild. And that leads us on to the number four album cover, Oasis, What's the Story, Hamden Glory. 
where Craig Conway is running down the middle of that street for the Oasis album. Here's my favourite. That's probably my favourite as well. And then we've got uh, we've got Lauren Shankland as Elvis Presley. And, uh, you know, to the untrained eye, you wouldn't think that that was Photoshopped. That's a really good picture. It kind of fits it. Number six, we've mocked up Fleetwood Mac's Rumours album and it's Benji standing proudly with a United waistcoat on and one goalie glove. And number seven, as I've touched on before, it's Ian Harks as Prince. Looking absolutely fantastic. And the thing is, I'm not even sure that might actually be his his own hair in that picture because his hair is a bit wild these days. So if you haven't seen any of these, get onto Twitter Type in at Mock Chopped and go and have a look because they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And uh, you're on about Hearts' as hair. I woke up this morning to a picture from Paul of Ian Hark's topless Wes flowing hair. Yeah, looking like Shaggy for Scooby-Doo. <laughs> hat, on, hat on backwards and a wee bit of bum fluff on the chin. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, hey, what's we on when I, when I could capture him again? I know. Um, so, I mean, talking, well, lovers apart, obviously, there, of Hearts and McNichol. Uh, but like a jilted lovers getting back together, United and the Foundation are back in bed together. Good. That's what I say to that. Good. Because regardless of any any pettiness and any personal feelings towards people who are in the Foundation or on the board or whatever, everybody in that Foundation has United at heart. They're all paying money from their own pocket every month into that. Uh, because they love United. They, they, they're not doing it because they've got money to just to give away for, for no reason whatsoever. They, they bleed tangerine and black. So that we, need to, we needed the club to, to mend this bridge that was obviously burnt a few weeks back out of the blue, uh, according to the, the foundation release after the club statement. So it can only be a good thing. Hopefully something positive comes from it and then it can be a nice wee nice wee revenue stream for the club just now because I mean times are hard and I, I don't know what the I don't know what the thinking was behind when, when they initially thought right we're going to raise money for the United Foundation I think that they maybe had plans for what they wanted to do with that money I don't know if that's changed because of what what the world's going through just now but just to, to try and get on the same page as the club with the foundation that that's it's in everybody's interest I would say it became clear to both parties that there had been a genuine misunderstanding on previous communications, is what the United statement says, and I think hopefully Jane, that was the case. Um, and they are, you know, going to work together to develop a proposal that can be considered by foundation members, which again is is what the foundation was all about. It's all about going out to the members so they can vote where the money's going and and stuff like that, which is uh, which is a good thing because these things like. Fan, the fans are so important it's like anything you know it's like we said even just going to a game without fans and you know if we have to play a couple of closed door games and you'd get into the rest we know that would be fine you could live with that but the fans make it you know you, you, it doesn't matter if you watch the Bundesliga and you kid yourself on it's brilliant football's back it's not the same you saying who, who who's the who's the bee wearing the black and who, referees a double yeah and whatever you know it's not Correct. like it that's not or just your shite. There's nothing like shouts of like that at the football. Uh, so it, it's great to hear that they are um, about working together and I'm sure there'll be proposals whether it's for youth or facilities or cash flow or whatever it is. 
I'm, it can only be good news that the uh, the two of them are back in bed, if you like, trying to work out their differences. Just yeah, like yeah, I would I would say so. The partner that's come home too pushed for the pub and's getting the bit of the silent treatment. It's just been extended for a couple of weeks, but now they're back speaking. Okay, so that's a decent way to put it, I suppose. I'm used to that, so that's the way I put it that way, right? <laughs> that's that's it. Okay. <laughs> Right, on this day with the Arab Archives coming up, before that though, uh, we were invited onto Twa Team's One Street, the podcast from the Evening Telegraph a couple of weeks ago. And this week, uh, Callum Woodger and George Cran joined us uh, to have a wee look back at United's season. Gentlemen, how are you? Not too bad. How about you, lads? Well, we're just here to get, a, to get our own back for, uh, for your... <laughs> the other week and Paul still got uh, I'll, I'll tell you now right he wouldn't have bring it up I've been, I've been breaking it like he's got a problem with your ratings I'm going to tell you now <laughs> yeah. it's calm calm only does the ratings it's none to do with George right okay you're a, you're a big problem with your ratings but we might get what's that well okay. he's got a problem I'm sure it'll come up but we'll get to it uh, but w- <laughs> once again thank you very much for having us on your podcast a couple of weeks ago and looking back at the for having us the season it was and we'll kind of do the, the same thing here where we different slant we've always had the, the players have been on we've had fans and that'll tell us about it but to get it from your guys side from the journalistic point of view um, and if we're going to be honest from the Dundee tinted Callum Woodyard <laughs> can explain yourself That's now ex- if you like extremely harsh I think I'd like to think I'm pretty balanced I don't give a fuck about either team so <laughs> 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 uh, nah nah to be honest, I mean, I mean, I've I've only been in Dundee for what three years now, but this is my first kind of full season doing the football writing um, for nearly nearly the whole season. Um, it was also Tom Duffy was it with the Evening Telegraph for a great number of years, but he retired kind of during this season, so I took over United for him. So I've I've covered quite a lot of United to be fair this season mainly. Um, George has maybe been focused on Dundee a bit more, mm. but. Um, both teams are a pleasure to cover to be honest with you both sets of fans are good it's good banter and that's kind of well-intentioned banter and you don't get any kind of horrible nasty element to it and it's as a privilege really to be doing the job that we do we, we do we'll take the stick because um, I know a lot of people would like to be in our position so it's nah it's part of it but you know I, I do have a lot of time for both clubs I really really do and, and United as well I've, I've grown a wee fondness for them, I have to say, covering them this season. I mean, the fans have been absolutely magnificent, particularly on the road. Um, it's been, 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 a, been a joy, to be honest, this season. See, just from that, Cam, before we, we get into everything, see for an outsider coming in, and even in professional capacity, what was your what was it like covering the Dundee derbies for someone that's from the the, the outside bubble? As such? Yeah. I mean, George will probably tell you the same, because he's obviously... Dumfrieschen as well um, well I'm not oh, Dumfrieschen he's done that Paisley, already but... he's brought that up already <laughs> Paul's not even ready for this but um, <laughs> I, I think I think the 6-2 was actually my yeah it was my first derby 6-2 was my first derby um, at all in any capacity uh, Dundee derby so um, I thought the atmosphere was fantastic um, the fans it, it's got its own wee quirks and traditions with the walk and fans drinking before and after the game together and and you know people within the same household supporting either side you don't certainly I mean I'm, I'm from Paisley and I'm a certain fan like most people know but you know you're surrounded by in that area a lot of Rangers and Celtic fans and you don't really tend to get that socialising before the game you don't get uh, too often I mean you maybe more so nowadays you, you maybe see it a wee bit but you don't 
see families with kind of both sides um, represented in the household. So um, it's refreshing. It's nice. Um, and I think every game this season has had, there's not been a, a bad game. Um, good storylines, great goals. Um, <laughs> obviously for you boys, some some very nice results, even though Dundee maybe were a bit overzealous and celebrating their 1-1, they'll say they had a good result as well. So, um, no, I, I've been really impressed by the Dundee derby. It's got a good a good spirit to it and it's a, it's a shame we maybe won't see it uh, next season unless it's obviously a cup draw. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been... It's been a real highlight of this season for me, to be fair. I'm, I'm glad to never got the fourth one. I'm sure you boys are as well. <laughs> three points, so that's easy work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Three points, I do. <laughs> yeah, Friday night out, which is always good. Uh, right, <laughs> let's let's take a wee look at the season then. Uh, if you can take your both yourself all the way back to pre-season. And, uh, w- was it as easy to say that United were going to win the league on paper when you were looking at it with the signings they'd brought in, especially once... Shankland come in George we'll start with you uh, well I wrote it on paper so I'm quite, I'm quite pleased it's done alright um, I think once Shankland came in it, it was a game changer I think you could tell um, just a proven goal scorer at that level and obviously stepping up to a bigger team than Air United no matter what Ian McCall might say um, <laughs> but you could see that the the foundations have been put in place in the, in the January window before Robbie's first window and the the new owner's first window. You could see he'd started putting the the bits in place to build the team that can get up um, to win the league, and then obviously added to that. And Shankland was, I guess, the cherry cherry on the cake. But I, I just couldn't see anyone else in, in the league really competing with that kind of firepower that United had. And obviously, they added a, a proper solid defence as well. I mean, Mark Reynolds is is better than the Championship, I, I would say. Um, Mark Connolly, shown in the past season, he's been excellent. And, and there's been lots of, I'd say, Butchers, a, a Premiership player as well. I mean, there's mm-hmm. throughout the whole squad, there's players there you can just see will do fine in the Premiership. Uh, I just couldn't see anyone else really keeping up with them and that showed because all the other teams just kept beating each other so United just ran away with it at the top You mentioned the uh, the January transfer window do you remember how crazy it was getting from a kind of journalistic point of view when everything was the happening in the day. last couple of days and the last day especially? Uh, I, was, I was trying to ignore it because um, people might know but oh, you'll know Ronnie obviously being involved in the futsal league but it was a Thursday night and so I'm, I'm in the middle of all the futsal stuff, try to run a league, and then there's all these stories appearing on the phone and things going on. The Calm helps. There's a lot of work with us as well with the media stuff. So that we were kind of distracted, <laughs> but it was still all going on and try to find out Osmond So was arriving at what eleven forty five or something like that. It was just crazy. I hate it. I really don't like the transfer window at all. I have to say, I haven't listened to your podcast last week. I enjoyed the story that. I can't remember if it was Butcher or it was Mark Connolly that told the story, but them two meeting up at the airport having no idea that they were both signing for, for United. And that's how that's how crazy it was. But they get they got really that was that was the start of it as well. Just on what, what George was saying, the caliber of player they were getting was beyond the championship. And you you've maybe been a bit more cautious about it at the time, but um, I think that's what everyone was thinking and that's it's proven that way. Um Callum Butcher particularly has been huge, I think, the whole feeling it done United changed when he came in um, he's a proven winner as well I think a lot of people maybe forget that is what he'd achieved before with Millwall and, and Mansfield and even 
any spell at, at Tannadice before. He was he was part of a decent team. Um, so you know he was he, he was a huge signing, I think. And then Shankland speaks for himself. I mean, there was some people saying, you know, can he do it on a bigger stage at a, a bigger club? But um, at that level, he was he's a killer, isn't he? So um, yeah, that that opening day against Inverness in the league never looked back um, and I'm sure he would have continued on if the season had been played to a finish and, and got you know close to 40 goals so an uh, unbelievable player and made all the difference I think for me in, in the end What did you think of the slightly stuttering Betfed performances at the start I mean Paul me and you have said it it was it wasn't a great the East Fife, East Fife being the, the, the prominent one that wasn't a, wasn't a very good after quite a promising start against Hearts given where they've ended yeah, up but that yeah. game well, was, I think they we kind of got the run around a wee bit in uh, in the game at Tynecastle, but uh, it was a great result. And then it kind of the Stenhouse Muir game wasn't a great, but it was a win. Kevin Beast saw them off fairly comfortably, and then it fell down to East Fife beat them, and I think we'd qualified and we'd just put in one of the worst performances of the season, uh, not the worst performance. We'll get to that, George, but uh, <laughs> absolutely one of the worst performances. But then when we've spoke to Robbie Nielsen. Uh, a couple of weeks back he's kind of explaining it's because we were doing a lot of double sessions and that's the way that we were tailoring the the, the pre-season and the training towards being ready for that first game of the season which was Inverness so in hindsight you could look back and think well jobs are good in. but at the time I can remember walking out to Andy Saturday night thinking here we go again yeah I had that I think and then there was obviously that kind of August was an absolute barnstormer and it was all kind of put to one side and and sort of forgotten about, but there was that feeling. I think mainly because they've been the fans, particularly, had been stung before. The last three seasons was oh, no again. Mm-hmm. Here we go. But, but yeah, you can totally understand that you're getting beat off a, mm-hmm. a team from the league below, a part-time team. But he's fighting for a decent side. These five have been a decent side for a few seasons, and I think with a bit of reflection, you can they, they played really well in the day, and and yeah. But apart from that, United had an okay bit of a cup campaign. Uh, I remember watching the. The opening game at, at Tynecastle, just in the pub, and I thought Shanklin was excellent and showed exactly what he was going to bring that season. And they didn't look out of place as much as it's a pretty rank Hearts team now looking at it, but even still playing in a physical side like that at a big stadium, big pitch, and a Premiership team, um, it must have given fans a bit of hope at the start. Anyway, I don't know what you boys thought, but you know, yeah, he's five sort of knocked the stuffing out of them a wee bit, I guess. Yeah, no, I absolutely did. And, and to your point uh, about the fans. We were kind of falling back into the trap of thinking, oh, here we go again. And after that game, that was when uh, Tony Asker actually come out on social media and he was yeah, saying, yeah, look, that. you know, we've got to all stick together because because it was quite negative. I'll, every comment I was reading after that match from United fans was very negative. And uh, I think Tony came out and he had a little bit of a go at the fans. And I could see both sides. I could see his side because he's like, look, come on, we, we, you're all in this together here. We've got to be positive. We've got to get through this. But the fans at the same time, they had been there for the last umpteen years, certainly the last three or four years, where if it could go wrong with United, it would go wrong with United. So that, that's where their frustrations were coming from. And my, and my frustration as well, I'm, I wasn't immune to it. I was thinking, here we go again. We've, we've blew it already. Uh, but after that, yeah, we, we turned the corner and we never looked back, really. Yeah, and then, like say, August comes along, George, and you know, mm-hmm. four wins on the bounce and playing some good stuff. It's the perfect way to start your campaign yeah they couldn't have, couldn't have gone any better really I mean the, the first game was obviously was it 
Inverness at home, you're thinking Inverness are going to be one of the teams you're going to be challenging for the, for the league and just swept them aside. Um, straight forward, was it 4 1? Was it 4 yeah. 1? Then mm-hmm. went to Partick, yep. 1 2 1, beat Dunfermline away 2 0, and then obviously the Derby was how they, yeah. they rounded August off. And, and Shankland obviously got off that flyer as well. I mean, he, he, he's always he's shown that he's always very strong at the start of the season. I think he's players like him like the Betfred Cup because you can get a few goals under your belt against uh, some of the, a couple of the kind of smaller teams uh, but kick the season off with four goals and then I mean I think that just gave the, the whole team that massive jolt of confidence that maybe had been knocked a bit by that East Fife uh, result but I think go back to that East Fife result it, might, it maybe just knocked a wee bit uh, kind of um, uh, going back on the ground if you know what I mean feet in the ground and right, it's not going to be perfect but then suddenly they get that confidence booster uh, against Inverness and then they're off I mean I'd, I ended up uh, somehow the derby seemed to always happen when I'm on holiday I don't know how I manage it but I ended up in, in the middle of nowhere in Germany trying to get a, a signal to watch the derby so I missed the first half so I didn't even see uh, Butcher destroying Dundee from every corner he, he come up for but um, I mean it, it's just the perfect way to start a season really it doesn't happen very often either especially in the championship the big thing you got though is you've seen the second half you saw Ian Harks ping one in for 30 yards which I thought was goal of the season till I noticed the massive deflection that it took <laughs> and I still thought it was goal of the season but yeah. um, everything, everything just seemed to go for for United that night yeah. and a lot of people say that the 2-0 later in the season at Dens was a better performance and I would probably agree that it was marginally but 6-2 was still a great performance. You've got to have a bit of luck sometimes in football because there can be games where you have six chances and none of them go in. But um, yeah, a lot of them, like the looping header from Butcher, you know, maybe on another night would have clipped the bar or the keeper would have done a bit better. But um, yeah, that that month in general, there was just a really good feeling about United again and, and something that hadn't been there, even when they'd been winning in the past and had a little bit of consistency under like Shaba or Ray. Um, I hadn't really felt like that. I think everything was just falling into place. There was the surprise of Louis Apre. That was a nice thing to, to think, oh, we've got this guy, um, like a new signing um, out of nowhere. Um, and the consistency, you look at the team that started that day at Inverness, very, very similar to the team that played the last game before um, the league shut down. So that was the main thing for me throughout the whole season was the team looked really steady. And you had a guy, as we all know, in Lawrence Shankland too, week after week even though he scored um, you know four uh, on the opening day I think he got better as mm. as the games went on and he showed other kind of sides to his game I think at Partick he, you could see the worker in there you could see the link up play and the fitness at Dunfermline I remember doing the Dunfermline game away and he scored the two early in the uh, in the first half and just the running power in the channels the way he linked up with um, Clark who was a big miss later in the season I think Sam Stanton was great that day um, Louis Apre was 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 coming onto a game and for him it was it was one of those ones you were waiting for a goal to come for him to to really set off and then yeah that derby cracking goal maybe maybe one of the goals of the season for for United that volley and yeah perfect perfect night and and one that will, will go down in history is, is one of the great Dundee derbies even though maybe it wasn't a, a vintage performance but um, lovely scoreline to look at for Arabs anyway oh without a doubt and you need a bit of luck in the game and you need a correct decision for, a, for an assistant referee as well but <laughs> as well as um, the, the big thing for 
for fans, obviously, we you go in hope, you go in expectation. We're United, you never know which way it's going to fall. But I think this season, Paul, certainly, we were confident, given it was a fourth year, we'd made the investment, George says it, in January. Uh, the summer, Shankland comes in. But you're always going to hit a roadblock. And with United, it's never just one. It's three out of four games. With a the game they win in this run... You know, they, they beat Morton 6-0, or also beat Arbroath, but that was the, the last minute. But then you've got defeats to Ayr, Aloha, and Queen of the South that are just, it's like United can never, it can never be easy being a United fan, it never is. But they win, you know, get beat away at Ayr, the two uh, wins at home, and then back on the road, no very good. And the problem with AstroTurf returns, will gloss over the Ayr game, because it was that bad, but Aloha and Queen of the South... Paul, give us a wee synopsis, a tiny roundup of how bad it felt those two days. Uh, well, it was terrible. Uh, but having spoken to the players, like they were all all in agreement that it's, it's quite difficult to go through to Aloha. Uh, and certainly it's not the best pitch, and that could go for Queen of the South as well. Uh, so the Aloha result, that could happen. Aloha do play very good football as well. They, they like mm-hmm. to get the ball on the ground. And they are, I mean, these, these games were not... They weren't an anomaly. They, we deserve to lose these games. Uh, the Queen of the South one, I've always said that we were lucky to only lose 4-0. And I know that Robbie Nielsen at the time come out and said, well, you know, it was one of the days where they had four chances. He must have shut his eyes a couple of times then because they hit the post a couple of times, I think, and there was a couple of saves. Uh, we were just dreadful that day. But uh, there was obviously something said in the dressing room. I think it was Shanklin that touched on it on last week's podcast. Uh, he, he wouldn't obviously go into that and that's that's fair enough because whatever goes on in the dressing room stays there but uh, that was the darkest day of the season for me the, the Queen of the South away game like that unmatched no even close any other defeats or that that was by far and away it's just because the players like as much as everything seemed to go for United in the 6-2 derby game when they weren't playing great mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing was coming off in this in the four 0 game down in uh, George's hometown. So it was a bad day, and it was made worse by the fact it took me three hours to get home. I mean, just sort of been like an away game at Dunfermline. I might have got out of it quicker, but I was still, as you'll know, Ron. I was still spitting teeth on the Sunday morning. The Absolutely thing, raging. The thing is, well, there, George. You know, we you touch on it with other teams that are in the league as well. Getting a point or a win against United is a massive thing, but for at home to win 4-0 against them you know some result for the Queens thanks for that <laughs> some teams sometimes but no we've been rubbish all season um, and that obviously was uh, we're better at the start of the season than the, the second half but that, that was the point where uh, Paul was saying about the derby it was quite similar in an opposite way that everything like Dundee and that derby just couldn't defend their box. And United at Palmerston just couldn't defend their box. Any high ball was going in. Kevin Holt was, I think he almost scored two or three, I think, that day. Mm-hmm. Um, they just couldn't deal with anything. I, th- I think, um, was Mark Reynolds playing that day? Yeah, I know. There's, there's one I think he played, he played the, and he just, he played that one. just played didn't right. Troy Brown, who I was going to bring up as well. I think he was so he just, he was kind of just Brown in, played, yeah. in, in the door. Yeah. So, I, there was a lot of defensive problems at that time. I think in that 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 yeah. first game of the run down it down the air was arguably the worst for me. I thought that was worse than the four now. Well, I, I ended up doing both. Aloha, 
and the Queen's game, which yeah. maybe I was the harbing, harbinger of doom, I don't know. but Must have been. Uh, <laughs> I remember. Both were terrible. Yeah, because you can, you're so close to the, the kind of sideline when you're doing the press at Allo and the, the homestand, you can hear pretty much everything that's going on. Robbie was going absolutely ballistic on the sideline. You could hear everything. He's having a go at everybody. And you know, well, he's sometimes a bit animated, but he's usually pretty calm and measured Is in it? everything he does. <laughs> he's very calm, and, very calm and measured in the press, but he's a very passionate oh. man in the touchline, I think. He, he gets right into the game. Mickey wants to be playing still. <laughs> times. Uh, poor, poor Sam Stanton was getting it in the neck that night. <laughs> Honestly, in the centre of midfield, he, everything that went anywhere near him, he was Robbie was after him. And after a few of the boys. Um yeah, and that Queen's game, but that Queen's game, like you said, I think that's the turning point. You can see that in the results. It was mentioned after, I think I spoke to Nicky Clark afterwards, just, and he was saying, oh, we have to use this as a the kind of the game where this can't happen again. We kind of kick on. And obviously, they managed to do that, which I think is real yeah. credit to the players and the management. Because Robbie's, whenever you speak to him after a game, he's always very measured, no matter what's happened. I think you mentioned a few times in this podcast, Ronnie, about the the game against the Air a few years back when Shanklin scored those four goals. I was then I was expecting him to be raging, you know, a managers are, but he was just he was exactly the same. As if his team had won five one, he was he was exactly the same that night, and he, he was it was similar at Queens. He was he was just like, oh, well, it's happened, so we'll use it, move on, and obviously they moved it. They used that negative. In, in exactly the the right way, and you turned it into a massive positive, which kicked them on to the run that won the league eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the mm-hmm. unbeaten run as well. I mean, it was it was impressive as well as as was the the kind of shutouts and you, kind of that they were getting. They were starting to really form a. Given you've had a six month run up at it to to get your team going. And I think me and Paul said it on here as well. We never expect to go on such a run. You know, I don't think as United fans, we'd never seen that January transfer window like it had been the year before with all the play, the excitement. You were that used to seeing other teams doing it, especially down south. But when you were starting to see these performances, you know, 2 0 win against the and beating Partick 1 0, which I think was the was a during the week. It was a horrible game. It just it was it was a terrible match. Shanklin got the winner. But the biggest thing is they got three points, whereas you know, George, you know, in covering United, Calm, you'll probably begin to know this watching for United over seasons. That wouldn't have happened before. That would have been a draw or would have lost in the last <laughs> 10 minutes. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of mental strength in this group of players and the management mm-hmm. team, um, which is evident on the pitch, but evident off the pitch when you speak to them as well. I mean, we have the privilege of being able to speak to Robbie, you know, after games yeah, during the weekend and speak to players every now and then as well after games and never flustered at any point um, very consistent and you can say oh yeah they've just been you know getting fed lines and messages and and, and maybe they are but uh, they really believe them as well that's the thing um, I think they got a lot of respect for Robbie and and George touched on it there and it doesn't get too high it doesn't get too low and um, I think that's what allowed them to have such consistency and such belief in themselves and yeah, maybe maybe in seasons gone by. I mean, definitely in seasons gone by. I mean, I've seen capitulations and collapses under under managers in the last few years in the championship. But even when it wasn't spectacular, and even when it wasn't the best football, you know, defensively excellent. And um, we talk about conceding those four goals at Queen of the South. Well, yeah, but they only conceded twenty two goals all season. So 
that's an unbelievable record. Um, and to and to score the amount they did as well, um, it just shows the the mentality of the group as much as we all know how good a footballers a lot of them are. And um, but I think as leaders, and you've got to remember it is quite a young squad as well. When you look at it, there's there's very few older heads in there. Um, but there's a lot of guys who have been through a lot. Um, I think Lawrence Shankland has maturity beyond his years um, as a striker. Um, and there's a lot of guys like even like Louis Apri, very, very young, but he's seen a lot in the game already, um, battling his way back into the first team. So, yeah, that that was important on this run, I think, the consistency. Even when there was injuries and suspensions, whoever was played, you know, you saw a little bit of Adrian Sporler sort of coming into the into the four at times. You saw Declan Glass coming back from his loan and, and making an impact. So, yeah, it was... It was a pleasure. It was United win again every week, wasn't it? It was. It was fun. It was. It was good to watch and easy to write about as well. But um, yeah, unbelievable run. Um, it seemed like it would never end. Obviously, it did eventually, which is which is what happens in football. But um, the team deserves enormous credit, and that was what ultimately won them the league. Was that knuckling down after the Queen of the South game and and, and screwing them up as it is? Is there a game? Mm-hmm. Out of that, the the kind of unbeaten run that you could pick out that was maybe a best performance or a best game that you watched them play. That goes for both of you. Have you seen games? Uh, Inverness, Inverness up up there in the the Highlands. Yeah, I wasn't there, but, but yeah, uh, it was um, the three nil game so, start of November. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. Inverness were doing all right at that time. My memory's not the best, as I've probably proved already in this podcast, but. Um, like I said before, they were expected to be one of the teams at the top, and going up there is always always difficult. It's kind of pretty blustery at the best of times, uh, I would say. But United steamrolled them. Um, there was only one team in, and I remember, I always remember that day because that was the day Paul Watson really came to the fore uh, in the back line. He, I, I think he was a bit of a surprise. Start yeah, it, se- it seemed to be like a horses for courses selection because they've Inverness have got the big guy up front. Mm-hmm. I forget his name, uh, uh, White, but they put, Jordan, White. Jordan White. Yeah, Jordan White. But they put they obviously put Watson in the team to try and nullify him, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he never looked back from that point on. Uh, yeah, he, he was, was absolutely brilliant that day, and he held his he held his place in the team. And I think uh, Nicky Clark was starting to show as well uh, what he could yeah. bring. Uh, yeah, I don't think he'd scored too many at the start of the yeah. season, but was he was seven he was, seven goals in nine or. 10 games yeah he was just starting to, to kind of sh- show what he can really add to the team and what he can bring to helping out uh, the big man up front Shankland as well yeah he's, mm. he's, he was he was excellent he was like a to use a kind of futsal term he was like a pivot wasn't he in the way that he stands right in that number 10 position and just sort of knocks the ball around and, and uses the wide players uses Shankland makes runs in behind yeah he was he was excellent but for me the, the two performances that sort of summed it up and these are maybe kind of stranger ones to pick but when Shanklin was away with Scotland um, and United had to had to play Alawa who'd it'd been a tough team in, in, in seasons gone by for for United to get past and a lot of teams as well and it was it was good to see or hear the boys on the podcast last week I think it was Mark Connolly who's, who's an honest lad top lad as well and he was saying that these teams deserve more credit and if they're the worst teams in the league then it's a tough league um, but they, they've been a, a tough one for United to get over and and I think that day, two uh, one win, we saw other guys step up. That was when we saw Louis Apper again in loads of confidence. He was in great form at the time. We already spoke about Nicky Clark's form at the time. Um, Sam Stanton was looking really dangerous at that point. Um, and then they followed it up the next week. I think Shankland had, had came back um, from a wee injury at the time as well, didn't he? And he'd been away with Scotland. But 
they came back and they went away down to Morton, which is uh, in the middle of December, is an unforgiving place to go. Capital, mm-hmm. they're good at home. They're a very good side at home. Um, but yeah, they were excellent that day as well. I think Shankland and Apri got the goals that day, if I'm right in thinking that. But they yes, were, yeah, first half. They, looked, they started to look at a partnership for the first time um, at that point and, and United looked really dangerous. And then going on towards the end of that run, I think the first time that season I'd sort of lost my professionalism a wee bit. Others might say I'd lost my professionalism a long time ago, but... No, uh, you had any, mate. <laughs> I didn't know I had any in the first place. <laughs> maybe that, but... Um, was in the, the press box at, at Partick Thistle in, in the 4-1 game. Um, I think when Shanklin got his... He started the hat trick. I was I was almost up standing cheering him because he was he was that good that day. Um, mm. Just looked like the complete striker. Not that there was ever any really any doubt, but um, it was almost dis- disbelief at how good he was that day and how good the team were. Um, Dylan Powers made his debut that day, didn't he? And uh, yes, Declan Glass. It was, was a shaky start. That match was a shaky yeah. start. Partick were the first 20, 25 minutes. They were very much in the ascendancy, and it was. Uh, it was Benji that was the star man yeah. at the start of the game. They were on a wee, yeah, they were on a wee kind of bounce themselves as well with, with Ian McCall coming in and they looking to get themselves out of trouble, which you know they never they never did unfortunately. But yeah, that was that was a that was a great day. Um almost up celebrating the goals, which was probably not the right thing to do. But you get caught <laughs> up in it, you do like like a fan, you get caught up in it and um I am there to cover the Dundee team, so I was delighted to see United doing really well that day. And I think that was the day, as much as later on in the season, the Inverness game is what maybe sealed it. But I think that was the day, which for me, well, there was absolutely no doubts that United were going to go on and, and do what they did. Mm. How did uh, how did you feel, or what were your thoughts, apart from probably the excitement of a different kind of game to cover as well, when when they were drawn with Hibs in the Scottish Cup? I thought it was, it was a great... Um chance to see where United were at because it, at that point they, they were looking like champions and waiting it was a great chance to to see how they matched up against a team that was going for a top six they ended up well they ended up seventh after they finished the league but um, Hibs were a good team and it, I was really interested to see how much how much work United would need to do over the summer to then push on and push for a top six if if, if they got up. Um, and they showed up well uh, in both games. They showed they could, they, they could mix it. They maybe needed just a wee bit more quality in certain positions, but they showed they had enough about them to to do well in the Premiership next season. And they were really good games as well, which is exactly what you, I want as a... Well, the fans want to see that, but as football writers... There's nothing better to write about a great game like that. There's loads of goals and stuff. Yeah. And United are doing really well. Um, it was interesting, though, I thought, just to see how they matched up uh, against a good Premiership team with a good manager as well. Yeah, to have come from behind, what, three times over the two yeah. legs to to level the game against a, a very good Hibs side impressed me. Um, the way Shanklin took his, oh, the first, his goal. first goal the in the first leg was just... And that as well in the second leg, but oh, even sorry. the one, and even the one in the first leg, you know, he, he shows his, his strength and his awareness and, and the ability just to wait, which is sits the keeper down and then yeah, puts it he the does. Way. He does it so often, and I think that's he scored some spectacular goals, and we know he's great in the air, um, and he's a poacher, but he's got this unbelievable ability, and I, d- I don't know who to liken him to, but where he can just wait, he's just got great composure. Um, he did it mm-hmm. down at Morton, he did it in that Inverness game, which we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about, but. Um, and he did it in that game as well where he just 
waits for the opportune moment to make it easy for himself and not every striker has that. Sometimes strikers rush chances um, yeah. and, and take them and that's maybe not the opportune moment to, to unleash a shot but um, no, he impressed me that day and Louis Apere was fantastic in both legs and that was when you thought this boy's the real deal. You know, he's, he, there was, he maybe ran out of steam a little bit towards the end of the season but that was maybe down to the whole team's form but um, the thing is, Callum as well, being, great it, games, being, great in that, games. being in the press box for the uh, that Scottish Cup, the fourth round, the view you'd have certainly got, I got, I was up the stairs for it, for uh, Apare's goal. Because you think it's going out. Oh, yeah. You think it's going past. And it was just, uh, yeah. again, he's, he's come on so, so well. See, for you guys, like for this, when it's a Scottish Cup, is there a different feeling around the club when you're going to interview the manager or the players for it? Is there, you know, there was obviously yeah. genuine excitement given it was a, a bigger test. Yeah. The narrative changes, doesn't it, George? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Even just little things like the, uh, the advertising changes, which people won't really notice, but I notice it when uh, Joe Rice, the media man, nearly drops the, the hoarding on the back of Robbie Nielsen's <laughs> head when he's changing it. Yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> the ma- I think the matches were dead close together at that point, so we did a double press conference. We yeah, did one like, for a league game and one Morton, for the Morton, cup. Sandwiched in between. That was a yeah. game, wasn't it? One all. Travel. So, so Robbie's sitting there in, in his seat answering questions about the league game against Morton with the, the league advertising thing behind him <laughs> so that you can see it on the camera and stuff. And then so they're like, right, we'll finish those questions. So we're on at the cup now. So then they have to change the it's, it's the <laughs> proper shambles behind oh, the professionalism. No, you don't. <laughs> it's cup now. So they have okay. to, to put the William Hill stuff in behind them. It's fallen over and all sorts. It's so uh, <laughs> you think the glamour of the cup is it's not always the same behind the scenes, but no, that's definitely I love the cup. It's great. I've had some great times up in Dundee, uh Covering United mainly, well, every time at Hamden it's been United heading to cup finals and stuff. I kind of, the first few years. <laughs> Correct. Big yeah. runs there. Big <laughs> well said, George. <laughs> <laughs> my first few years, I, I've been up here six years. My first couple, there was cup finals and semi finals every year. I thought this was just what happens. So did we. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's been too long since we've had those days. Mm. Um, but I, you get that feeling. And United had a team that you thought could, could maybe have a good wee run and make a dent in it mm. anyway from- house nighttime football things like that all add to the the atmosphere factor I think that's what George like George is saying we are fans of our own teams and we are do behave like fans sometimes but you want to from a professional point of view be involved in big games and just like players just like fans you want to remember you do remember the big games sometimes you forget the the nil nils down at Arbroath or whatever you know and um, yeah the, these games are, are special it had like an almost derby atmosphere certainly the, the first leg the second leg was maybe a bit more sparse but um, I'm sure United fans would have enjoyed the second leg anyway getting mm-hmm. to go to Easter Road and getting do you know what the, mo- the motivation for us is we're going to come here next season a couple of times mm-hmm. um, and get promoted and it, it, be able to bring th- it was good. the fans down it was good all around I mean even after the game obviously you're disappointed that you've lost and especially in, in the manner that we lost because the goals were in my opinion, we kind of gave them a, a couple of the goals. Like I wasn't brave enough. I shot my pants when a butcher was on my iPad screen last week because he was absolutely at fault for the penalty through Easter Road. Oh, you never brought that was oh, last week, did you? No, I was shot him. Oh, I wasn't Look at you. to tell him that because he threw foot of this through the screen. Uh, but, but he did touch on, he was kind of, he was nursing a few injuries and he wasn't really feeling uh, fully fit. 
So mm. I, I cut him some slack, or I would have pulled him up, obviously. Oh, uh, but after the game, Robbie Nielsen, clearly. Robbie Nielsen, uh, he, he would have learned a lot about the squad because that was two games against a, a, a decent hub side who were very good going forward. Like They had a lot of pace in their team. Uh, yeah. And it's, it was the sort of football team that we hadn't come up against at all the whole season. So, you know, the, the positive from it would be that Nielsen would have learned something. And I dare say that we will see what he's learned when the next season, if the next season starts, because he'll probably make a few amendments to the, the current squad based on what he witnessed the two games. I think a frustration. You can see that. On you go. You, sorry, you can see that night that Shankland really fancied it. He, he was there to show anyone who doubted that he couldn't do it against a Premiership team. He was he was there that night at Easter Road. He was like, "I'm going to show everybody what I can do." It and the, his goal was unbelievable to see. In person, Grima. I, I don't know why you'd have been behind the goal at the other end. Would you yeah. right behind it? Aye, I was. Yeah. I was about three rows back, so I was below the pitch. It felt, <laughs> but must have been some view from there. I mean, you're you're in the God's Easter Road, but in the, when I watched that, I, I thought he was about forty-five yards out, and I still claim he was. But uh, I thought, I thought this. I still think the scoreline was a little bit harsh, but and I think we've we've said it over the time. If you don't pick up your man at set piece, that's going to attack you like that. You're always in, in trouble. And the boy Deutsch had a, had a great night. But there was a lot taken, you know, from being behind a couple of times, going ahead and then letting it slip. But the experience was there. The disappointment was the following week, got beat for Arbroath, then drew with, with Aloha. And, and for us as fans, and we said on here loads of times, be interested to see what you guys thought. But it was a right crawl for United it, if, you know the, with when yeah. we're speeding down the motorway and then it just seemed to we hit a bump and we just couldn't get over it big time fatigue big time injuries to key players guys I remember every week I was going to a press conference trying to find out how Paul McMillan's groin was um, which sounds a bit overly personal I wasn't going in and like <laughs> rubbing his, his leg and all um, yeah it was it was a difficult period because I don't think I really don't think there was complacency and you can level it. And that that's obviously because we we are here to sort of hold the club and players and managers to account and as much as people maybe don't like some of the things we have to ask. But I really, you know, you have to ask these things, but I, it wasn't really in my mind personally to think the players have taken the foot off the gas here. I think it's just a natural thing. You go what, fourteen, fifteen games unbeaten, um, play a good side in Hibs, uh, home and away. You play, what is it, you know, between the Morton game and you've got the Arbroath game quite soon after. You're playing, mm -hmm. you know, four games in, in two weeks. It's, it is a tough run and it maybe took quite a bit out of United. But the good thing after that was there was enough in the tank. There was enough character. Um, good players who, players who maybe have less ability can look up to and, and, and sort of work hard to achieve their levels. I think you're talking about, George was saying Shanklin got himself up for the, the games at Hibs and, that's an invaluable thing to have in a squad is a, a player who understands the magnitude of certain games um, and he can drag the other players sort of up there with him and, and sort of help them reach those levels but they had just enough in the tank I think to get that result at Inverness a crucial game where it, it totally swung um, in United's favour but you say it's a bad run but there was there was a few draws in there against against really you know teams who'd been bogey teams for United I think Alaba had been a bogey team Air had been a bogey team until mm -hmm. they stole Shankland off him, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. And I think I think they would have addressed 
uh, that had had the season continued, I think they were looking in a better sort of shape going into that Morton game um, before it was called off the day before. But um, yeah, one of those things, and I, I'm sure it, it would have alarmed Robbie at the time, but as much as he wouldn't have let it on. But yeah, I mean, it's done now, isn't it? It's in, it's in the books, and as what it is. If those, those results were sort of spaced out between the winning run, you would have maybe questioned it so much. So. I mean, and obviously the big the big match that almost sealed it, I think, as people felt, was Inverness at home on the the Friday night in in February. And you know, I wasn't there. I was I was in Amsterdam on a stag do, probably ducking and diving out beside COVID nineteen, uh, looking at red lights, <laughs> and there weren't the stop signs. Um, so I, I never actually seen much of the game. I remember g- getting on some dodgy stream on my phone at the time, just as uh, Louis Apere had scored. And then it just froze and that was it. And then, um, Paul, just somewhat take us back to to that night. It must have been, from your point of view, I mean, you had us, the title was one that started November for you, but was that the game, the the relief after what you'd watched the the weeks just previous to that? Yeah, probably. And I think if you look back on the season as well, we we seem to win all the big games that we had to win. Like when we played played Inverness up there, they were coming in a wee bit of forum, we beat them. When we played Dundee at Dens, Dundee were in a bit of form. We beat them. And then we went on our kind of dodgy run. And the reason that we say it's a bad run is because the games immediately before it were just spectacular. No, we won 12 out of 13 or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, so Inverness were coming and they knew, they knew that they had to win that game. So for us to win it, it was, uh, and it was a, uh, the conditions were fairly stinking as well that night. It was a shitey weather night. It was horrible. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't a, the game itself wasn't really up to much. It was more a battle. It turned into Rakesh Bingham's finest moments. Uh, Tangerine, when yeah. he set, I think he set both the goals up. He did two assists. Uh, yeah. yeah, two assists. And Lauren Shanklin's, uh, his bit of trickery for the, for the winner was just was worth the admission alone. But that was probably when it was completely sealed. Nailing the coffin for the yeah. rest of the league because you can that see was... at the end of the game when Inverness players trooping off, their heads were down. They knew they knew that they'd that the, the, their chance to catch us had gone if they didn't know it before. That was the first time I think myself and colleagues in the press had really quite firmly said United are champions here, even though they weren't athletically yeah. at that point. But th- th- there's no way anyone else can win this league now. Um, mm-hmm. Even the, the bookies would have started to kind of, um, you know change their, their their odds and stuff because of because of what was happening. It was it, it was done at that point and it was it was a it wasn't a vintage performance like you say, it wasn't a vintage night in terms of the weather and great football, but um two key men for the United this season showed what they're all about that night. Um and having a role player like Rakish Bingham who maybe played what, seven or eight games after coming in, in January. I thought yeah makes his makes his contribution, you know. Um that's good management. Um, being able to identify what you need to kind of get your, your team over the line and boy, boy struggling at that point you know Callum Butcher had been working back from injury Mark Connolly had only really just got himself back from injury so um, it was good good character showing that night and yeah the Shanklin goal is just like I was saying earlier top top quality to be able to pick his moment to make that lovely turn and and, and just leave what four NRF players on the deck and, and slot it past the goalkeeper it was it was it was it was a fantastic night and that, that was when you you knew and I was getting excited personally because I was thinking, here we go, we're going to have a title party, we're going to have all the players on the pitch interviewing them and all that. But <laughs> it's all been robbed from us now, unfortunately. But um, still great for the the fans and the club because you see the hurt 
every day. Um, well, not every day, but going up there a couple of times a week and speaking to guys like Joe Rice and other people behind the scene who've been there for a long time and, and are used to uh, success and a team doing well in the top flight and comp- competing for for trophies. So to see the, the smile on his face after the game was nice and to see the smile on guys like you know yourself, Ronnie, as well, um, to, to know that your team are going to be pretty sure your team are going to be going where you want them to, to go is always a great feeling and it's it's nice to be able to write positive stuff as well so no terrific evening do you remember uh, where you guys were when you heard the news about the the sort of whole league situation and the you know it was it was confirmed for the lower leagues as such and then the Premier League and how you guys feel about everything the way it's all worked out so far given there's probably a, a statement due out today as we record this who knows probably is yeah <laughs> I think uh, we right we were in a, a mad panic, I think. That's all I can remember. Um, trying to get... Because it came out dead late, I think, did it? Yes. I, um, what, what, well, I remember it quite vividly because I was up at uh, St Andrews. It was the day before, or maybe it was a couple of days before the Morton game. I can't remember exactly. It was either the Thursday or the Friday before the Morton game uh, up at St Andrews. We were doing press interviews. Louis Apre had just been called into the Scotland squad. Yeah, the 21 squad, sorry. Um, and we were speaking to him, but we had to do it, you know, as we're all used to now. But I had to do it from a social, kind of socially distanced uh, interview, sitting a bit back. So it was all strange at that point. Everyone sanitising their hands. I think Nicola Sturgeon had sort of made an initial sort of announcement that they were thinking about lock, locking down the country. So um, it was unsure, but we ploughed on. We, we carried on with the, the press interviews. And I spoke to, to Mark Reynolds in the corridor at, at the Sports Centre at St Andrews to to preview the game but it was all it was all about the, the coronavirus and how it could affect United and the league and everything else so I think at that point they were fairly certain there wasn't going to be any football um, for a while but I don't think we quite knew the extent we maybe thought we would have a break and the season would continue but it's a shame the way it's worked out because it's it's not tarnished anything for United because I think they would have gone on and, and finished it off anyway but it would have been nice for the fans to have that full run into the end of the season because the last few games are special when the weather starts to get better and, and you get to go and, and celebrate your team's win but, but yeah it was, it was a strange 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 time but a necessary evil I think now looking at it as, as we can all see mm. I, I, Sorry Ronnie I thought you were asking when we found out when United got handed the, the title that, when, when that's that, that, that's the follow up so on you go oh okay Fair off, ask my own question then. Huh? Yeah, I'm, just telling, I'm just telling the stories here, George. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, it was a Friday night, I think, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. And Fridays, I usually work a production shift, um, putting the papers together. Everything so happens Friday Yeah, so, and me and Calm, it's chaos. When all these all these statements are coming, what's going on? If they won the league, if they're not, what the, what's the, so it's just madness, honestly. Trying to get done in, in time for deadline and try and get everything right, obviously. But they all, they, I don't know why, the, the SPFL seem to keep all their big statements for the days I'm doing when I have to do all the work. It's rubbish. What's your but, thoughts on the, the whole thing? I didn't, I don't think there's any other choice now. Um, there's obviously the, the, the money aspect, but. I mean, if if they manage to keep the leagues going, which obviously they've decided not to, but I mean that obviously then pushes next season further back, and then that that maybe does a domino effect further on. So I, I think best the best thing to do, the cleanest thing to do, is just stop it now, as they've done, 
and then prepare for the next season whenever that starts. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that the season had to be called. I just yeah, I would know, I would like re- reconstruction myself. Yeah, but that's I think what, that, I, that's that what I would say. You know, it's, if 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 there was one thing I would have liked to have seen come out of it, it would be a recon uh, on the table, which which could still happen, I suppose. But it seems very unlikely. It seems like clubs aren't willing to budge in terms of their. Um, they might be forced into things. it though because there might not be there might not yeah. be that many clubs that uh, come through this like well we've got 42 just now mm-hmm. the experts are saying that there's not going to be 42 when it all kicks off again especially if it's behind closed doors because you've got all the weird teams in Scotland who desperately rely on hospitality money or people through the door even though there's mm-hmm. not many of them they can't yeah. pay wages if they didn't have any of that well yeah the talk right now of course is that things one and two won't be starting again until the new year so it's, um, it has to be a concern like you say from that point of view how they get their money in yes they won't have to pay players in that point of time but there's still costs at these football clubs over the over the sort of extended very long extended off season and yeah it's a, it's a massive massive concern but um, it, there's been slow progress but we have got progress now things are moving the Premiership's done um, I, Whatever happens, as long as we still have 42 clubs um, that we had at the start, that would be an unbelievably good outcome for Scottish football. Because um, you don't want to see any clubs going. No, no. definitely not. And, no, you know, to do everything we can. I mean, sometimes the wee days out to some of the clubs are the best. Uh-huh. Yeah, great day, especially, you know, and that, that's you don't want to see any of the clubs going. And I mean, I, I've always been one for reconstruction purely for a bit more variety in the teams you play. Because uh-huh. I, I still think we play the same people too many times like the year United got Celtic in the cup and there was <laughs> replays and, yeah. and I got pumped near enough every time as well but it was just I think those... St. played Motherwell like four times in five weeks this season and I was just sick of the sight of them honestly sick of the sight of them but especially if um, you kind of win Stephen Robertson's Stephen Robertson's since obviously the um, all the situations happened then you guys have obviously had to do your jobs a little bit different you've been speaking to various players past and present any little bits you want to share with us that they've said over recent weeks that maybe some of our listeners have missed in your columns or whatever apart from basically what I'm getting is How's Ian Harks' hair getting on? Paul's desperate to know. <laughs> well, that was, you know, that, that was a, that was a great interview. He's a, he's a top lad, he really is. I, I heard some of the boys on, on, on the, the podcast last week absolutely slaughtering him and Dylan Powers because they don't get their, their patter and all that. But to be honest, I was listening to the podcast. I didn't get half their patter either. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, it's obviously, it's obviously very niche. But um, no, nah, he's he's doing well and he's had a lot of, a lot, a lot of adversity because he's obviously, as we know, he's over here. United, but his, his fiance is over here playing for Celtic ladies as well. So they had to fly back to to America um, because his granddad, um, unfortunately, has contracted coronavirus. He's since recovered, which is great, but he'd missed the whole period that his granddad was in hospital. So he, he had to fly back very quickly to their family home in Virginia to sort of be by his side when he came out. But it all sounds like everything's on the men now. And um, it's crazy, crazy times over there, particularly. Um, lots of different approaches across different states. And um, very you know dodgy leadership from from the big man with the orange wig. So um, yeah, he's he seems to be he seems to be coping pretty well, and his hair's still doing good in lockdown. I've not had any picture confirmation, but he's saying he's braving it at the moment, and maybe we'll see a, a new Ian Harks next season in terms of his his hairdo. But that's 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 part of the fun, isn't it? He's um, a bit of a maybe not quite a cult hero, but 
you scoring a derby and you, you cut about with hair like that when everyone else has got like skin fades, you're going to be a bit different, aren't you? So a cult hero <laughs> with one man on this yeah. chat. <laughs> uh, who else you been speaking to? Anything else come out? Any other bits and bobs? Any stories? Sean Dillon yeah. likes a uh, wee weekly shop. Every time I phone Sean Dillon, just keep <laughs> him. He's walking around Asda and Tesco the wrong way down the... No, the wrong way, sorry. He was, <laughs> no, he was... Yeah, he was firmly in favour yeah. of the one-way system. Aye. Um, Sean Dillon's a stickler for lockdown rules. He's adhering to every single rule. He goes down... Even if there's nobody else in the, the aisle, he goes... It was the correct way. And well, he was saying if yeah. you forget something, he goes all the way around the whole shop again. <laughs> just to go back. Rather <laughs> than go back five yards. Yeah. Uh, he's he, was, well. he was in fine fell. Uh, yeah, so we had, uh, I've had David, Dave Bowman. Um, we did a lot of historical things as well. We've had time looking back on um, 1987 UEFA Cup run, which um, beyond, you know, before my time, but I'm sure it's in a lot of fans, United fans' memories and stuff and sharing some really nice tales. Um of days gone by and um, looking back at we looked at back at a Dundee United youth team from 1990 which featured uh, Duncan Ferguson Christian Daly Gary Bowen just how that team came about where they ended up um, the success that they had later on so it's been nice I've, I feel like from a personal point of view anyway from a reporting perspective it gives you a chance to to learn more about the history of the club because this isn't my team in Dundee United aren't my team Dundee aren't my team but um, you only know what's happening now and maybe some of the recent history since you know I've been following football but to go back and look at some of the stuff happening uh, particularly in the 80s for United in an unbelievably successful period is, is great to learn and, and speak to these guys it's it's an honour to to be able to speak to some of these guys Hamish McAlpine's a, a lovely guy I spoke to him after uh, mad as a brush right enough but uh, I spoke to him after after the league was confirmed and you know singing, singing United fans praises and stuff so yeah it's been it's been good. I don't know about yourself, George, but it's nice to to do something a bit from the from the games as much as you miss them. Aye, uh, I've been doing mainly Dundee stuff. I have to admit, for, since this this is all kind of kicked off, I do, I do enjoy looking back at days like that where you don't really know from an outsider. You you don't you haven't experienced it yourself, so you're coming into it fresh, and it's truly really good to speak to the people who were there at the time. But I have to admit that. I need the games. I, I just that's what that's what I'm in it for. I, I, only, I only really enjoy. You're a match day junkie. I'm. I'm. <laughs> that's that's what I enjoy writing about what's happened on the pitch and people talking yeah. about what's happened on the pitch. If you know what I mean. Um, even though I do enjoy that, and th- there are times I wish in the season you had more time to be able to do this kind of stuff. But a good opportunity for the games the no to, to show their, their personal side as well. I think it's yeah. it reminds people, you know. Um, they're but, human. They are human. As much as they're paid entertainers and they can be revered and they can be lambasted as much as you want, but these guys have got lives and it's some of the stories coming out of different situations. You know, Louis Apere, you know, take yourself back a few years for me and quite a few years for the rest of you boys, but take yourself back to being 21 and imagine having to spend your 21st birthday in lockdown. That would have been murder. So he's had to do that. Um, I don't remember much of my 21st birthday weekend <laughs> that's for sure Ian Hearts has had a, a horrible time obviously as well but from another point of view you see you see guys who are, are enjoying it like Mark Connolly I've heard him speaking about loving having the time to spend with his family which he would mm. usually get I know he's got a couple of couple of young kids so um, I think what, what, yeah, what, what nice. certainly we found as well is when they were on last week it was long enough away from the football that you, you got a very relaxed four players that were quite happy to joke about boarding up 
you know, butcher's windows so people couldn't get in, you know, <laughs> it's coronavirus, only the flu, because at the time that was what was getting banded about, but yeah, it, it, was. It, it was such a relaxed sort of... Trump's still saying that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he, he positively tested negatively the day how about that <laughs> I saw that that's an idiot <laughs> at, least, at least he's always wearing United colours though mate <laughs> no half just, um, through, just before we finish off then gents on watching United uh, th- this past season what do you think would be needed for, for them for the Premier I say the assault on the Premiership let's just stay in the lemon thing at first uh, what do you think the team needs where would you like to see them improve um, well, I think they've, they've obviously shown that they're looking for a centre-back. I think with Paul yeah. Watson leaving. And Thanks. I think Mark Connolly and Mark Reynolds would be decent, but I think they need another one. Whether it's... You don't know what Reynolds, in terms of his... He's kind of an older player, whether he could play every game with his injury history. <laughs> off to wait and see. So they need another centre-back. Um, I probably just got the spine of the team, really. I think they need another striker just to... Uh, play with Shankland and Clark to give something a wee bit different. I'd ma- personally, I'd maybe I'd be tempted to go look for a target man just for something a bit different. I know Robbie likes to play, but he's a pragmatist as well at times. I, I think maybe I find a new John Daly or something like that. I think would go go down quite well, or something or any, anything of that mold that might allow Shankland yeah to score the amount of goals that he can in, in the lower leagues and. Just a bit general, of a, a creative spark as well. Just in general, I think. Maybe just a wee bit more depth. Um, yeah. I think maybe... Tougher, tougher yeah. in the top flight. And if they want to go a bit deeper into the cup competitions this season, then it'd be good to have more of a squad, I think. Losing Paul Watson's a big one. Centre-half's needed. Stuart Finley's been quite heavily linked and that'd be a great one to pull off. He's a, he's a good player. He'd be very competent top six premiership player. Absolutely. Um, yeah, some, some maybe some competition up front as well because... Some you know, pace. Some pace, maybe. Bad yeah. pace would be good. Um, cover in general, both fullback positions have been very lucky this season that Liam Smith's been remarkably consistent. No injuries. Jamie Robson's been consistent, even though he's been you know, a couple of injuries. We've seen Reynolds filling in, we've seen Sporla filling in, but I think you'd like to see another natural right back to give Liam Smith a bit of competition. Um, a natural left back, a centre half. Um, centre midfield, you're sort of, you missed Sam Stanton when he went, I think. Yeah, um, I would add that something. Type box-to-box player maybe a little bit you've got the combative nature of Butcher and you've got the kind of attacking styles of, of like McMullins and, and Clarks and, and Aperien behind um, Shanklin but someone to go box-to-box and give Ian Harks and Dylan Powers something to think about as well because that's the last thing you want you don't want boys getting not that I don't think I don't think they will but you want to have that competition that makes everyone better so um, up front if they can keep Shanklin then hey and he stays fit then they'll have no problems but yeah like George says maybe something a bit different different style mm-hmm. um, up top Louis Apri is a big dude I think he could he could be a he could be like target man if, if need be I think we've maybe not seen him in his, his ultimate best position he's been playing off the flanks a wee bit well, um, he's, he's got a chance through the middle he's <laughs> he, would, he would hold his own in Premiership defence he's 100% he's, a, he's an absolute monster so he's got Lee McCulloch to learn off as well I mean it, it, He's, I think he's the only target man winger I've ever seen, to be honest. But yeah. uh, I mean, if if you need that, I'm sure he could teach that. Hmm. Teach you a lot of things with the elbows, anyway. Fly an elbow, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Uh, just before we finish off, then Tilly's season player ratings. Hang on, <laughs> Paul's been since you sent these over. I know you've got a system, but let's just yeah. say he doesn't agree. 
Paul, what's your grievance? My, my grievance is uh, for for my money. Now I get the I get the system. I know that you rate them and then you you add it all up and then you get the the average and that's cool. But I can't believe that Callum Butcher and Liam Smith were so low down on the list. Callum yeah, Butcher for surprise me, me, was me. Probably, surprise me. It was probably he's he's probably the second most important player in the team this season. I would have thought, but but you guys. <laughs> and I know that you keep saying it's no me that's doing it, it's no me that's doing it. But you guys have got him in about seventh place. How is that even possible? I'm not sure. I would have done the vast majority of them, I have to say. So I'll, I'll take the blame. But um, yeah, it seems to be weighted towards attacking players and guys who score goals. And I know Butch got a few goals this season, but um, and Liam Smith had a fantastic season. I'd, I'd written individual pieces praising Liam Smith and I think I even called him a 7 out of 10 every week but his rating suggests otherwise so correct yeah um, maybe not a 7 out of 10 every week but uh, <laughs> yeah we seem to I think sometimes in the immediate aftermath of a game you are quite quickly having to make a, a judgement call and it's only when you maybe watch it back in a bit more depth that you see what guys are doing and Liam Smith certainly falls into that category I think Butcher Butcher's more more damning I think he you can see what he does in a game it's very clear um, but sometimes I think you maybe uh, are tempted to give the the glory to the guys who get the goals and get the assists and that's maybe not what Calm which is all about but for me if I was to just off the top of my head pick a top five Shanklin's the obvious number one and the four in behind him Butcher and Smith are right in there uh, Louis Appery's right in there and Nicky Clark's right in there as well but um, yeah very, very very surprised I have yeah. to say, and, and I'll take all the blame for that I, yeah. I would say <laughs> that possibly the uh, how good a season it's been maybe affects it as well. I, I think in a normal season, those kind of numbers for Smith and Butcher, I can't remember exactly where they were, but they'd probably be a lot higher in a just a bog-standard season, if you know what I mean. So I, Yeah, I think you look at the, the United ratings, and I think the top four United players would have all won the Dundee Player of the Year had they been so. Dundee or something like that. So it, it does show you. Um, I'm not goes saying no, me, and Paul, <laughs> me and Paul could have won Player of the Year for Dundee this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, I tell you what, one thing in the ratings as well that was surprising but also thoroughly deserved, the, the way Benji Segrist is we we spoke about it when we spoke about it a couple of times himself and Paul as well, has really proved himself to be the number one. And he's needed a, some games, like Paul said there, you know, go to Partick under the cosh for 20 minutes, you know, and just showed how 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 improved he's been. And and uh, again, next season, it's an, it's an arm massive step for him. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him testing himself up there because mm-hmm. he's really turned into a goalkeeper that was the number two when he came in to, to be out there. And it would, it would be probably still harsh if he's not in there. But again, we're... Uh, Butcher and Smith Matty Rakovan dearie me yeah. <laughs> how did that oh, believe? I, I actually credited <laughs> Rakovan with a goal accidentally once at Palmerston did the post maybe, uh, on maybe the whistle. he is a striker I did the <laughs> on the whistle uh, on the whistle report and I'd mixed up Pavel Sofranco was playing his debut and I mixed up Sofranco and Rakovan in my head somehow and put it in the headline there's a hell Rakovan goal would have been a headline Guess if Franco back to Tannadice, that would imagine that would be great. So Franco and Shangland up front. Ah, he'd come back. I've spoke to him. He's, he he says he'd be up for it if they wanted. He was him. top. He was class. He, he had more to give. I think. Um, doesn't seem to have worked yeah, out for was, him going back back into the, the continent. But um, no, he was good. But player. we definitely Shankland was an upgrade, and and I loved yeah. Franco just because of his sheer will to win. Uh, but Shankland is. Like he's got the cutting edge at the end of all all his hard work as well. But could you imagine the two of them together? I think that would be 
think that would work. Like I, I really think, do. I think with Shevranko as well, you know, fifteen goals in forty games. It's not a bad record. Decent. I was good. Given the way well, we were he was playing. really clever player. Mm. Yeah, playing in a playing in a sort of worse team as well. You know, this this team's far far better than the team Shevranko would have played with first half of the season certainly. Mm. Yeah, the season before, but and yeah, he's and the he's uh, his goal up at uh, Inverness, just unbelievable. Best goal of the year, yeah, well done. Yeah, I mean, certainly when you're when you're looking at a list of players that uh, you know, for all the the stick we do give Chaba, you know, he he brought in a couple of players that did help the team, albeit he signed twenty six, and not even half of them worked out. But you know, your Shafranco's. <laughs> You know, Bohena when he was here about Watson. Big Bohena was a big Bohena was a class act. I like big, Bohena. He was good. Yeah. Yeah. The Asatel as well. He's a kind of kind of boy who played midfield, playing defence. He Brought was Siegerson, Nicky Clark, Big Moshney came in. You know, <laughs> I thought Moshney was really good. Yeah, I liked him. He was good. Tony Elton, right back. He needed a yeah. turn for a bit. He was good. He was good. Yeah. You know, yeah. but um, that, well, at least we've looked at the ratings because Paul just needed to. <laughs> to give that a mention so that's uh, yeah I'm also I'm also willing to offer my services to give the ratings next season <laughs> if you want because at this stage at this stage I'll do anything to get in the bloody ground to watch the game so I'll, I'll we'll, set that up. we'll set that up that's perfect Paul's player ratings there you go bit of alliteration perfect <laughs> that easy um, do you guys just want to give a mention for your podcast and who your guest was this week if people want to reminisce a little bit yeah we had Sean Dillon on the podcast this week it was Great. We just went through his whole career, really, on Two Teams One Street, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, all the usual places wherever you get your podcasts, all that pattern. But um, yeah, we had a bit. He was he was talking about his early days at Aston Villa, um, which maybe a, not a lot of people would have perhaps known that he was there for a few seasons as a, a youth player, um, having a bit of success over in Ireland, coming over to Scotland. Um, initially, uh, Shelburne sold him to Dundee, or they thought they had anyway. <laughs> Um, it was a, a big error from them and obviously rocks up at Tannadice and uh, has the success he does is, is uh, winning the 2010 Scottish Cup going to Europe club captain Hall of Fame um, doesn't end maybe the way Dillow wanted it to do but still going strong with Montrose and enjoying lockdown life so it's well worth a listen I think um, great lad as well great, great, great Irish brogue and a, a nice uh, turn of phrase to him Jesus. There's a cheeky wee swear word left in accidentally, oh, apparently a, as well. There's, so. there's a there's a few, so hopefully, there's a in there somewhere. hopefully our, our producer yeah. Chris isn't isn't listening because there's a couple of shoits and fuckings in there. So I was it was, uh, it was entertaining. Oh, he's fit in here because yeah, we just uh, we don't, don't care really. Well, I don't uh, think a three-hour podcast would be short enough for for Dillo. I think it's longer than that. Aye, aye, he's great. He's great crack. He's been been a good guest. Yeah, he's certainly got some great stories. Gents, thank you very much for joining us this week and Thanks for having, having a look at way back at uh, United lads. season from through your eyes as such. Uh, I'm assuming you guys are cracking on with your podcast and the day-to-day life of being the journalists and being big Dundee fans, Calm, obviously. Yeah, aye. Um, oh, we've got someone who's crossed the divide on next week, hopefully, George. Can we, can we give that away? I don't see why not. I've, he's played, played on both sides of the street. Uh, that's all we'll say. You, not, not too long ago. If you've got a, a quiz question, would be how many players have done that both sides? We'll need to work that out. Actually, somebody, oh. actually, you know what? We'll just set that as a question right now and hopefully somebody can tell with the answer because well, there can't be loads. Less than no, 10 I, maybe? I think, I think maybe, it's in double just, figures. Just double figures. Maybe just uh, double figures. But ours was probably the most recent one to do. So, wasn't yeah. it? He must be. He's been out of the country recently. We'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair you probably guess from that. We'll leave it. Right. So, uh, we give, the, give the listeners a head start now. Any, any guesses, boys? Oh, 
Roque? No, it's not a big league. He's probably the one just more just recent. Before that, more recent than that. He's been playing abroad most recently. He's mad. He's a he's a mad boy. <laughs> he's played on both sides. Who did he play for last? United or Dundee? Dundee. Dundee. He was so he's obviously he was good and then he left because he lost a bit of ability. <laughs> <laughs> can't think. Can't he also think. he also played for Hibs. In between. Simon Murray. Simon. Yes. Oh, Sai, huh? Right. Yeah, Murray. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That'll be entertaining to say the least. Be interesting, yeah. That should have been a lot more obvious than, than we kind of made <laughs> no, that. I'm surprised it took so long. Yeah, so. I thought my played he played abroad recently had given it away, but I know. No, we look I'll look forward to listening to that because that that's some moving that. But yeah, that'll be that'll be good fun. Uh Jen, like a few more. Oh, is yeah. that? Well then I'll steal all the guests, right? Because we're still here. A list of, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, there's a good few more boys that have played on both sides of the street. We'll maybe have to compile a list for Simon coming on and do a wee bit on it. But aye, yeah. should be good. No, it'll be fun. Gents, thank you very much for giving up some time and looking back at that. Do keep up uh, with everything that's going on and breaking the stories. I'm sure people will get uh, plenty more from you. It's just a, a wee bit different way of working for you. But the quicker the football is back, the better for everyone. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. so thank you very much to George and Callum for coming on the podcast and for hopefully that's the last time that we're discussing the season just ended there because it's getting a bit repetitive now but it was uh, it was nice of them uh, to give up some time uh, to spend with us and, and go over a few things towards the end of the conversation with them though it came up about players that had actually played for both Dundee teams and me and Ron were scratching our heads and I'm I'm sure there's certain players that spring to mind quite easily, but we've wrote down some names. And if we've missed any, feel free to give us a shout on the socials and post them. Or if, or if we're even wrong with some of them, tell us that as cool. well. Of course so we will be. I feel like we've got to be. We've got to be. But the names that I've got anywhere on, John Holt, Paul Dixon, Lee Wilkie, Tommy Coyne, Dragutin Ristic, Jim McAnally, Simon Murray, Ian Ferguson, Neil Duffy, Ian Redford, Scott Robertson, Billy Dodds, Scott Allen, Andy McLaren, Beto Nevada, and I'm not sure about Andy Cargill, because I know he played for Dundee. I know he's a big Dundee fan, and he was definitely at Tannadice, but I'm, I'm not entirely certain if he actually made a first-team appearance or not. And I'm sure there's more names like from further back in history but that's the ones that spring in my mind anyway you got any more Ron? No in a word? No No <clears throat> Sure does I was as confused at the time with the question and couldn't even work out Simon Murray so I wasn't that's getting very very true, that. I, no, yeah, that's true that Yeah There'll certainly be a few you know there might be another couple mm-hmm. I would think but yeah if you know who they are uh, send us a tweet we are at Dodfox Podcast or drop in the comments of um, mm-hmm. you know on Instagram or Facebook or whatever send them a message it'd be and we could see how many we, how many we've missed in the oh, we've no doubt we've no doubt we've missed loads if Tom Cairns was sitting beside me just now then he would be like oh wait a minute you've missed it Freddie Smith or whatever for the 1960s uh, but there was also a question that we got sent on Twitter for you Ron through the week mm-hmm. uh, and we thought we'd just there's no point in just posting the reply so we can we can read it out on, on Sunday when we record this so the question was which goal gave you more goosebumps when announcing it this season Shanklin's fourth against Inverness or Cammy Smith's sixth against Dundee 
The question came from Dan Stewart. That's, that's early in the season. I got goosebumps, I tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the Shankland, when Shankland got his hat trick against Inverness, it was like, wow, you know, this is the real deal. When his fourth went in, I'm not even sure. What if I, I probably couldn't believe it. Neither could Cole Donalds. <laughs> he still can't believe it. Up in Dingwall, scratching his head. I'm sure he was here a minute ago. For what I remember, uh, and I haven't watched this back, by the way. Although I watched the goals, I didn't have the volume up or whatever. Um, the goals were on. I think when Kami scores the sixth, I say something along that lines. It's it's number six or whatever, which is a great moment. Um, the the goosebump moment, the the more up for it moment was the was the Arbroath winner because I couldn't mm. believe it. Like I couldn't believe it, yeah. and I think that's for them. But picking out the two of them, it's got to be Kami's sixth, isn't it? It's got to be the sixth yeah. against Dundee. It's a great. It was brilliant, <laughs> you know. And you know we've discussed it. We discussed it with the, with the guys from uh, to our teams on street. We discussed it with the players. You know that was a big marker, and everything we had mm-hmm. seemed to go in. But when you match that score against your biggest rivals, again, it's unbelievable. You know, the 6-2 again, songs begin and stuff like that. But I would probably say, yeah, I would probably say Cammy's goal. Probably say Cammy. If Shanks had done that, you know, down the line and it was a bit, a winner or something. But I mean, it was just, that was probably just an unbelievable that <laughs> he scored four, you know, maybe something like that. But great moments, both of them. Thanks very much. Yeah. Anybody else got totally uh, random questions? Feel free to fire them in. <laughs> well, I, I've got I've got a question. I think I know the answer to as well. It's also for for Ronnie Costello. Uh, what was your most high pitched moment of the season? Was that also in a Dundee derby by any chance? Uh, on mic or off mic? <laughs> <laughs> it was when McMullen had that shot saved for whatever was in the goal for Dundee. Yeah, yeah, that's when it was that. Um, at that at Dens, the Connor Hazard save is just I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what happened. Like I thought you got yourself caught in your zip or something the way that you, <laughs> you were squealing. Oh, you had a push behind me. What's going on? It was it was ridiculous, but it was um Anyway, on this day, yes. <laughs> association back, back to normality. with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006, I focus today, I was on the 25th of May, two games for you, neither of which are fun by the way, and uh, one signing to tell you about, um, on this day will be interesting over the next wee while given there'll be no games, but ah, man, we could get some surprise signings. It could, could be a lot of fun. Possibly. So 1969 is where we're going to start today. The 25th of May, United met West Ham in the first ever soccer match to be played on an outdoor artificial grass surface at the Portland Civic Stadium in Portland, Oregon, which is why I said soccer before Andy shouts at us. Uh, we basically played a challenge match, right? On a, on a, on the surface, and it wasn't just the surface that looked different. The goals had a crossbar adorned with an ironwork pelmet. Now, if you can picture that, yeah. it's ridiculous. All right, <laughs> the net was actually wire mesh. <laughs> we're under the cosh early doors, and we got pumped eight two. Is yeah. basically Tom, what happened. Tom Cairn spoke about that one. 
when Alec, he was on. I'm not Alec sure if it was Reed, his first or second. Alec Green, Kenny Cameron got our goals. Uh, West Ham team included Bobby Moore, Harry Redknapp, Jeff Hurst, and Trevor Brooking, to name a few. Mm-hmm. Were they no six nothing up at half time or something? Uh, I'm sure, Tom said that. Possibly, I remember. We never lost. We never lost the second half. <laughs> we took the. We took a positive. We'll take the moral. The moral victory. Yes. At least the second game of the day might cheer us up. Well, maybe no. It's the 2017 Premiership Playoff Final, first leg versus Hamilton now having dispensed with Greenock Morton and Falkirk in the playoff court and semi-finals all that now stood between us and promotion was a two-legged tie against Hamilton Academical first leg was at Tanadice Ray McKinnon made no changes to the starting lineup that had emerged victorious at Falkirk Stadium the previous Friday although there were two changes on the bench uh, Ali Coote replaced the injured Scott Fraser Lewis Toshney replaced Scott Allardyce and Ackes were forced to make one change from the team that had thumped Dundee 4-0 on the Saturday hurrah um, Simon Murray was sent off uh, for nothing really in the no, game no. it was obviously getting fouled uh, there was plenty of penalty appeals linesman flags halted chances for both teams but nothing will replace the sight of Watu Kuwati's meltdown in the game. Tet. <laughs> uh, what did you say last week about him? He wasn't nowhere near as good as he thought he was. No, I don't th- I I think he was the worst player I've ever seen, but he was in a different universe to what he actually believed he was. But after all that, at least we'll win the away leg, eh? <laughs> of course, it's going to Hamilton and uh, so Simon Murray was sent off that was appealed I don't remember much of the game actually the only th- real memory I've got is Murray getting sent off and Watto going off and clapping people and you're thinking you're a dick yeah uh, yeah yeah. I think that was missed people's thoughts at mm. that precise moment in time uh, on this day back in 1984 Jim McLean finally got his man as Stuart Beedy was signed for £90,000 now he made a scoring debut in a major competition. He uh, scored against Celtic at Parkhead in the August. Uh, he was prominent in the lineup throughout the season. He collected a runners-up medal in the League Cup final against Rangers. Scored the opening goal in the Scottish Cup final of 1985, and in the following campaign, he uh, f- gradually fell out of contention at the end of the season. And I didn't know this, right? Stuart Beanie, along with Billy Kirkwood, both signed for Hibs for 130,000 pounds. I did not know that. Can you remember Stuart Beanie? No. No, I, I was I only born him. 82. <clears throat> yeah, that's Young what it is. No, the, re- the reason I remember him is for two reasons. Uh, the main one being that uh, he scored in that cup final, and that was my first cup final. And the second reason is because my uncle Dougie, God rest his soul, bought a car from him, or vice versa. Okay. So either Stuart Beattie sold his car to my uncle Dougie, or vice versa. Kind of car. And it was a Fiat. Oh. It was a Fiat. Oh. A heap. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you said so, that. Yeah, so that's that's the only reason I, I remember him. But I, I mean, where, where did we sign him from? I can't, I, I can't remember much about that guy other than he scored an absolute screamer at Tynecastle. Uh, and I'm not even sure if it was against Hearts or not. It might have been in a semi final. But he scored a volley at Tynecastle that was an absolute rocket. Sign and me, um... he. St. Johnson. Ah, St. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
and uh, obviously his goal in the cup final. But other than that, he, he drives Fiat's and I don't care much else about him. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stuart Beadie also played for Dundee. Is that right? Got on the Arab Another in on your list. Get on your list. Perfect. Yeah. He's on the list. He went He went to Hibs, to Dunfermline, to Dundee, uh, and he was part of the squad that won promotion in 92 with Dundee. There you go. Wow. So his career was really tailing off yes. back then. And then he it's went to Australia days. where he uh, managed the uh, brilliantly titled Wollongong Wolves. That, that's my Australian team. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm all about the Wollongong Wolves. Tanzarina Black. <laughs> On that note, uh, <laughs> thank you very much to uh, for everyone who it's continuing to make us part of your soundtrack if it's on a Monday a Tuesday a Wednesday a Thursday or whatever I saw on Twitter today uh, that someone's nine episodes behind and blamed lockdown and furlough for it Antoine Burns yeah <laughs> well, that'll be the Burns I'll not be the lockdown or the furlough uh, but yeah thank you very much to everyone who, who is listening uh, the feedback from certainly last week with the players was unbelievable uh, once people had managed to get through the three hours so it was yesterday most people were telling me that um, mm-hmm. and if you managed to listen to it in one go you've done pretty well but I think the thing we got out of last week we didn't touch on this at the start actually I think maybe mentioned Dylan last Powers week reversible bit. jacket <laughs> no no he's reversible jacket just how relaxed the guys were and you know the stories that came out of it which were which was great fun and you know just the, the picturing him offering out a pepper as if it's an apple as if it's a perfectly normal thing to do yeah, I mean, if that's his thing, I, I, I'm just, I kind of stopped thinking about his reversible jacket and the fact that he's possibly ate Mark Connolly's bits because there was goals in them. I'd like to see the reversible jacket. I, I'm joking to see it. Is he on Twitter? Can we not pester him? Give you a picture. <laughs> he's on Instagram, certainly. So, uh, yeah. Right, well, we need to pester him. Oh, no. Uh, we'll, we'll troll him. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so we are we aren't going anywhere. Uh, we've got a busy few weeks lined up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, hopefully you uh, you like what we've got planned. Um, as always, we'll continue doing this. You know, the rumor will hopefully be back a wee bit more, which is good. Uh, on this day next week's a cracker because it's the first of June. So we are going to get signings. I think the games are now done, but hopefully we'll get some signings and and that as well. Uh, as always, if you've anything else you want to throw of us for ideas, we've got a cracker and I've said this already but we have got a cracker of a I don't want to give too much away because it'll be a couple of weeks away of um, of to get you involved in picking a team that's all I'm going to say at the minute right but you'll be picking a United team but we just need a wee while just to set it up so you can get involved and make choices and stuff but that's going to be good that's coming up in a, a couple of weeks and I think dare I say it was Andrew Ross that may have gave us the idea that we've kind of tweaked and whatever um, nice one so and that's the, I'm not even throwing him under the bus for it but even saying thanks so that that's coming up uh, and hopefully we'll have a lot of fun and we'll just keep doing it as as long as we we can that's interesting and, and people still listen 
if you've got anything to add, if you want to tell us anything, we are at Dude Fox Podcast across all the social media uh, outlets. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or you can even just leave us a review, that would be pretty cool as well. It does help it kind of spread a little bit more. And if you can tell someone else about the podcast, I know we got a couple of newer listeners last week so we had the players and that on, which is just brilliant. If you can keep doing that, then do help spread the word and Paul then probably get Dude Fox merchandise to sell because that's what he's all about. I'm all about that. <laughs> all about that. I want to make a million by the end of next year. Good luck. I'm glad you said good luck. I'm not sure what you're uh, it's going never happening, is it? It's never happening. We get tenner will do all right on that. A tenner uh, would be a bonus. But <laughs> but that is it from us. Uh, we'll be back next week, and as always, do get in touch on the social media. We are at Dude Fox Podcast.